Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Movie Channel and our Star Wars Retrospective Podcast, where every Wednesday and every Saturday we'll be covering a new installment in the classic franchise. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout. Go to weirdgeeks.com to check out our other podcast series, Twitch streams, contact details, and news on our very own feature films that are currently in production through our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced, and no infringement is intended. So there shall not be any accidents. Geeks! <laughs> Geeks! <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the We Are Geeks Star Wars Retrospective Podcast, where every week we're talking through another one in the Star Wars franchise, starting with number four, working our way through until The Last Jedi. Uh, I am your host throughout this entire journey, Al White, and joining me on every single one of Star Wars films, Alexander Chard. Mm. <laughs> you feeling okay? I am. Am I? And <laughs> Christina Masterson. <laughs> That was actually pretty good. Thanks. <laughs> you being Yoda as well. <laughs> Yoda. <laughs> Delirium has set in. Um, hey guys, how you doing? Empire Strikes Back. That's what we're going to talk about. 1980. The year I was born, this movie. <laughs> but I was still too young to go to the cinema. Did you get to see Return Jedi in the cinema? Uh, Were you just that, out of 84, that? right? 83? No, I didn't. No. Um, but I did go uh, just before the prequels went into production. I think they re-released theatrically. Yeah, they did. The originals. And that's when I went and saw them. That was a good time. Yep. Good time. Um, so, Empire Strikes Back, directed by Irvin Kirshner, uh, who sadly died in 2010. Uh, he had directed... I mean, he directed a James Bond film called Never Say Never Again. He directed Robocop 2... Uh, he's read quite a lot of stuff and he directed quite a lot of stuff before he did Empire Strikes Back, but nothing that exciting, to be honest. This is definitely the one he's known for, even though I feel this is one of those films, much like A Nightmare Before Christmas, that people think the producer directed it. Like, there's quite a lot of people, out just in the general public, who definitely think Lucas directed this film. Um, just like people think Tim Burton directed, yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, he didn't! <laughs> You're Isn't fucking wrong, you morons! <laughs> um... It was written by, again, also not Lucas. It was written by Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote loads of stuff. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, he wrote The Big Chill. He wrote The Bodyguard. But this was his first screenplay. And he wrote Force Awakens with his yeah. son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to him. He comes back a couple of times, actually. So we'll get to him oh, again. Oh, Lawrence. Um, and he's directed a bunch of stuff as well, including The Big Chill, which is very weird because in the last podcast, I accidentally brought up The Big Chill. And I thought, that's a weird reference to bring up. Why would I think of The Big Chill? And here we are talking about the big chill. Um, also written by Lay Brackett, who is, this guy's been, um, or Lee Brackett, I'm not sure you pronounce it. He's been writing stuff since he was born in 1915. Um, so he's what? been around a long time. And he wrote episodes of Hitchcock's, like uh, our oh, uh, TV yeah. show and stuff. I'm writing the moving okay. pictures. Um, but it was like, this is very much seen as Lawrence Kasdan's movie. Um, but Jules Lucas did come up with a story. Uh, it's also, I mean, I don't know how true this is, but it's its said from all accounts that this is the Star Wars film that George Lucas had the least to do with um, out of the six films that he was involved with. Um, but there's a few facts to do with that, which we'll get to. God bless later. you, George. 
It cost 18 million, this film, as opposed to the original costing 13 million, but it ran 10 million over budget. So it was potentially only meant to cost like 8 million to begin with. I don't know. Um, it might not know to rake in a huge 290 million dollars, wow. um, which wasn't as much as the first one. Uh, became hugely beloved. It's seen by many as it's actually been voted in many magazines as the greatest film of all time, which is uh, crazy. Um, and not crazy because it's bad or good, but just to have like a sci-fi movie that's basically a yarn be the number one film of all time. Uh, George Lucas was determined not to get involved with Hollywood and he wanted to make this film to separate himself from Hollywood. He had made Star Wars and kept full rights to everything. He hadn't lost a single percent of the movie. Um, and he wanted to do the same with Empire Strikes Back, which was very hard to do after making such a huge success that no one expected to be a success. So he, instead of taking investors, he bankrolled this entirely himself. Uh, he used profits from the first film and then got a big bank loan. Uh, he recovered his investment within three months of the movie coming out. And then he was very kind. I'm going to say a lot of nice things about Jules Lucas on this movie. Uh, he's still being a nice dude from what I've read. He shared the profits of the movie with his employers um, and put out about $5 million between the employers to say thank you. Um, he paid also over a quarter of a million dollars in fines to the Writers Guild. Um, he should have had the writers um, and other credits at the beginning of Star Wars, uh, A New Hope, and he didn't want to. He wanted to just come straight in Star Wars, get to the movie. Uh, because it was such a small film, they let him get away with it, but then it was such a success, they were fining him for this one Whoa. for not sticking to Guild um, laws or legislation. Um, so he took the fine and they wanted to find a director, but George Lucas very kindly assumed all responsibility and took the fine for the director as well. Wow. So he paid a quarter of a million dollars himself just so that he didn't have to have titles at the beginning of the movie. Wow. He didn't have to have any of the stars' names at the beginning of the movie, all that stuff. Um, and this was also the very first film ever to be uh, have 5.1 surround sound, which I definitely noticed. It felt louder. Than the it last did feel movie. a lot louder. Um, and it also had the longest shooting of any Star Wars film, uh, to date anyway, uh, 25 weeks of shooting. That's Whoa. half a year. And that's just principal photography. That's not reshoots or anything. It's a lot of shootings. Where did they shoot this weeks, one? Geez. Um, all over those bits in Norway, which is mm. where the snowy bits were. Um, mm. I think all of Yoda's home, um, what's that planet called? Dagobah. I think all the Dagobahs, uh, Dagobah is, uh, on a set, I believe. Mm. Um, yeah, there wasn't as much on location, I don't think, as the last one. But they did a lot in Norway for that opening um, sequence. So which there's some fun bits we'll get to. Um, yeah, there's a few other facts, but we'll get to them later on. Um, Alex, coming yeah. into this movie, you're a Star Wars boy. How do sure. you feel about Empire before you just rewatched it? Uh, this is my favorite, hands down. Right. Um, yeah, simple as that. Um, I haven't actually watched it in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I, the most recent ones, yeah, for some reason I feel like I haven't watched this one in a long time. I think I've had watched A New Hope and Jedi more recently than this film. Really? Despite this one being my favorite. Um, Is it just, I guess, cause you know, it's been your favorite for so long. You don't want to return to it as much. You know? Yeah. And it was one of those things, uh, I, I compare it to the Indiana Jones trilogy where as a kid, I really liked Temple of Doom. Is that uh, the second one? Uh, second one second one Raiders uh, and Temple and, and like last. growing up I really liked Return of the Jedi okay because I think as a kid it's not as dark there's a nice conclusion to it all you've got the Ewoks it's sort of this sort of more fun element spoilers Ewoks oh crap 
Um, I know what they are. Uh, but then as I got older, the same with Indiana Jones, I well, Indiana Jones, I then liked the first and third one better. And with mm, this series, that is correct. our empire just um, just got better and better as I got older. Temple of June is uh, Spielberg's personal favorite. Indiana really? Jones yeah. Because his wife's in it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, I've, uh, Empire's always been my favorite um, Star Wars movie. Um, it was something about it. Um, I always just liked that it was more of a downer. I like the middle of stories more than I do. I don't really like having a good, you know, a tight narrative. I like that it's kind of all over the place, leaves you on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get great new characters, Boba Fett, who, although we did actually, we didn't mention it in the last one, but he turned up in that edited scene of Java. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, he just kind of stood there like Christopher walking at the end of that Geely scene and looked around like, what am I doing here? <laughs> so yeah. Uh, but you get him properly in this movie. Um, yeah, and you get proper fruition of lots of the relationship stuff. And here is where we talked a bit at the end of the last one about the soap opery tendencies. It's definitely more soap opery, I find, in this one, the relationships between people. Um, and of course, you get Yoda. Um, you get loads of cool new iconic characters and, and stuff. Um, so this was always my favorite. I saw it, I want to say, two years ago at a Secret Cinema event in London, which is really cool. People don't know it. Google Secret Cinema. They're really awesome um, secret cinema events where they literally take up huge hangers and recreate... Um, the movies spent tons of money I can't even tell you how great they are but it's a long thing to get into uh, but they literally created like Tatooine and they were showing Empire Strikes Back and so you get to wander around the town and interact with people and there's stormtroopers and Darth Vader taking people away and you get dragged into rooms to work with the Rebel Alliance and you buy all the food and all that stuff and then you get heralded through to a place where they reenact a part of the end of Star Wars with like an X-Wing fighter and stuff it's really cool in like a prison sort of section That's cool. and then take you through to actually watch the movie to which they're still reenacting bits of the movie in front of the movie. It was a lot of fun. So that was the last time I saw it. Um, and I still really loved it, but it was a very particular environment to watch it and everyone's going crazy and cheering. So it's been a couple of years for me. Uh, but the other two, like Return of Jedi, I haven't seen in decades. Mm-hmm. And A New Hope, I hadn't seen in maybe like eight years or something. So this was the most fresh for me. I'd seen it. Um, yeah, pretty recent. Christina, completely new? Completely new. But I do remember seen parts of Yoda in his um, swamp. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. I feel, like, again, so, it's so iconic. Like, it's yeah. going to turn up in places. Like yeah. it's Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, also, as we said before, all of these versions are now, like, you have to watch the tampered with versions. Um, I will say straight off the bat, less tampered with for me than the original. I know there are little things here and there, and I'm sure there's way more than I noticed, but it was less egregious stuff that ruined, you know, story elements or scenes yeah. for me. Yeah, like these seemed like little additions that com- completely go unnoticed. I mean, just minor details to Cloud City. Um, for me, like the most, the glaringly obvious one is just the addition of Ian McDermott as the Emperor uh, when he yeah. when he speaks to um, Vader. Yeah, let's get to that one. We get we'll to, get to that. That's a big one. Yeah, that's a big one. And that's it, really. But yeah. nothing jarring. No, yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of little things I read in a on a website that counts for them all, but they didn't bother me as much. It doesn't mean that I still don't ethically think that it shouldn't be there, but mm-hmm. it doesn't ruin the movie for me. Like yeah. the first one, it literally just suddenly just is like a kick in the face every yeah. now and then, um, which is kind of nice. But yeah, it also, like we said, only spent two point five million on this one rather than ten million on the last one to revamp it. So, um, and it wasn't his baby. This wasn't his film. Um, I mean, it is his film in many ways, but he didn't direct it. So I don't really feel he had the right to go in and fuck with this one as much yeah. as he did the first one. Um, so, I mean, should we just get straight into it? 
Oh, uh, did you want to do movies? Oh, from, wait. Yeah. Oh, my God. Thank you, Christina. You got your associate to do the talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we like to start these podcasts, and I, I can't believe I forgot my favorite part, with uh, the top 20 box office, worldwide box office um, of that year. So we're in 1980. Christina, can you take us through from 20 to number one films of the year? 20. Caddyshack. Oh. All right. One of my favorite comedies. Um, yeah, I don't really like it, but I respect it. <laughs> no, I don't really know it. You don't know Caddyshack? No, I don't. There's golf and there's a gopher. That's all you need to know. Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill Murray, indeed. 19. Cheech and Chong's next movie. <laughs> they had, so their first one was the last time, wasn't it? So they're on the same schedule as Star Wars. Let's see hmm. if they've got one with the Return of the Jedi. 18. The Shining. Ooh. Excellent film. Great film. Probably, I'd say it's my second favorite Kubrick movie. Nice. I think. I think. Um, people are at the moment calling the new It movie better than like the, like the greatest um, Stephen King movie adaptation of all time. I think it's probably closer than The Shining adaptation, but I think The Shining, Stanley Kubrick is a better film. Hmm. Interesting. You've not seen Stanley Kubrick's The Shining? No. That seems like the kind of film you'd be into. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm going to do is we're just going to take this list home and <laughs> watch everything it. on it. But that's like, uh, it. it's got a David Lynch vibe to it. I feel like you'd Oh, like then it. I'll love it. I, yeah. I just love the like two minute opening of just following the car up the mountain. Yeah, it's so good. I it's awesome. about that. That's so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Yeah. 17. Urban Cowboy. I have heard of this. I feel this is a film you'd like as well, Christina, just from the title. Dustin Hoffman, John. Noted. No. Is that Urban Cowboy? No. Sure. No, yes. that's Midnight Cowboy. No, we decided Sorry. that's it. <laughs> 16. The Blue Lagoon. This is a sexy film. Yeah, uh, Brooke Shields. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that mm. other guy. Sexy time on an island. Get naked. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't she like 16? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah and she that. gets her period on the island, right? I don't. I'd never I seen it. I think so. I no idea. I can't remember. <laughs> of course, you guys don't. <laughs> Block that bit out. <laughs> 15. Popeye. Oh, my God. <laughs> Have you seen this film? Yep. Robin I can't believe Williams. this was 1980. And uh, actually, um, the actress from The Shining was Olive Oil. Yeah, she was. Mm. Oh, I forgot her name. Mm. This movie terrified me as a child. Like, it literally just scared the shit out of me. There was something about it that was just horrible. Really, really horrible. Um, I wonder if you can still get that movie. It feels like a movie that's just disappeared. Like Dick Tracy. You just can't get it anymore. I remember going to see that at the cinema my fam- with my family. No one left the theater happy. <laughs> I was too little to really Dick understand. Dick Tracy or... Yeah. <laughs> uh, 14. Ordinary People. No, not a real movie. Don't know. What are we up to? Uh, 13. <laughs> American Gigolo. This is Richard Gere, isn't it? Yeah, Dick Gere. Another sexy film. 12. The Final Countdown. The Final Countdown. 11. The Blues Brothers. Ooh. One of my favorites. Again, another film I don't like by respect. <laughs> <laughs> 10. Friday the 13th. Now we're talking my language. Like <laughs> like Actually, I'm not a big fan of the first one, to be honest. I think the second one's the best in the series. Um, but... Go on iTunes, type in We Are Geeks and follow for our Friday the 13th retrospective <laughs> franchise. Nine. Smokey and the Bandit 2. Didn't they have one in our last list they as well? They did. Is that yep. Cheech and Chong and Smokey and the Bandit? I don't remember Cheech and Chong. I remember Smokey and the Bandit. Where's oh, our last Am I going list? crazy? Okay, I'll find it. Don't worry. You, you go. Uh, you keep going. Number eight. 
coal miner's daughter. Now, this is my favorite one on the list. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Number seven. Oh, you guys didn't watch it? Uh, no, I didn't know. seen it. Of course. Have you seen it? Yes. Are you kidding me? No. Who's in it? She being Sissy facetious? Basic. Ah, right. Don't know. I don't know. I never, heard of, I never heard of this movie. Coin no, if you say daughter. it, if you say it, and we believe you. Number <laughs> seven. <laughs> Private Benjamin. Yeah, I've, I've vaguely heard it. of this. I don't know. Yeah, there she is. Yep. Sissy Spacek confirmed. Confirmed. How? That's the movie you've seen on this list. I love Sissy Spacek. How many other films have you seen on this list? That's it. <laughs> Six. <laughs> Any which way you can. <laughs> oh, I've never heard of this before. Number five. <laughs> Airplane! Yeah! yeah! Another favorite. So me and Tamara, I tried to get Ali to watch Airplane. Because <laughs> we're like, this is one of them. And it's one of those weird films. Me and Tamara disagree on many films. Particularly comedies. It's hard to agree with people on comedies, I think. Mm-hmm. That's not um, funny, Al. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what he said. Hey, Tamara, how you doing, buddy? Um, and he and me both love Airplane. And Ali had never seen it. Well, we got to see Airplane. And she likes pretty like dumb comedies and i don't mean like stupid ones but i mean like i love like weird sort of subversive comedies and then i just love like borat and pop star and just stupid you know and airplane's one of those movies it's just stupid humor and i love it yep and you've never seen it so we sat down to watch it halfway through got up walked out (laughs) she did she she walked out of airplane lee it wasn't even halfway through um uh, leslie nelson wasn't hadn't even turned up yet there's so many funny lines in that film i know i mean were you watching it text her abuse at a house or in a theater? At a house. Where yeah, if she, she got go? out of theater, I'd worry. <laughs> when she end up? Would you um, like cream with your coffee? She went to bed. She went to bed. She was a bit sleepy, but airplane. It's airplane. Yeah, I've never seen it. What? Oh. It's very. Oh, good. Christina, there's not enough time. I know. That's the problem. I know. You're just a project I can't handle. <laughs> I know. Don't even try. Many no. people have. Oh my God. Unsuccessful. <laughs> Number four. Mad Max. Oh, that's a great movie. The name's Max. Um, yeah, come on, Australian boy. <laughs> do, do your best. Mad Max is on our little shelf over there um, because it costs under a hundred million, under a million dollars. I mean, um, how much was oh, it? Wow. Bu- 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 budget was George no, Miller. That's a new one, right? The original. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, but it was under a million dollars. It was a cheap movie. Wow. Uh, I think the story with Mad Max was. Yeah, Mel Gibson was obviously living in Australia at the time. He'd got into a bar fight at a pub. His friend had a casting for Mad Max. And Richard, uh, Richard Gibb, um, Mel Gibson said he'd accompany him to the, the casting. And they get there and the casting director sees Mel Gibson all bloody and bruised and with a black eye. I was like, I really like the look of you. Can we take your photo and have you audition? Um, so they took his photo, put it up on the wall. And he said, oh, let me learn the lines and I'll come back in a few days. He comes back in a few days, all healed. And they're like, who are you? And he's like, I'm that guy. And uh, auditioned and got the part. How do you know? You know, all these audition the stories, success stories of people who just through happenstance. Um, I think I heard that story, actually, um, when I went and saw a screening of Hacksaw Ridge. And there was a Q&A afterwards. Um, and Mel Gibson told that story. Really? Yeah. That's pretty hmm. cool. Um, his friend must have been pissed everyone you need you have to do, you have to do this now everyone on these podcasts you have a story you had harrison ford last time being a carpenter again on star wars and then harrison ford <laughs> yeah, harrison true. then you got sorry uh, mel gibson being a drunk basically and getting mad max that's right keep them coming okay i will number 
three. <laughs> Stir crazy. Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor, very yeah, funny. Of it is. Ooh, number two. Going two five. Great, thanks. I've tried to set you up. <laughs> I was. You're already dunking the hoop. Ahead. I didn't need to. I didn't need to set you up. You're good. Um, and number one. Dun, 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 dun. Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Dun, 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 dun. I think you need to do the love theme because that's this movie had so much of the new love theme. Just they kept bringing it back again and again and again. This two weeks in a row that a film we're covering is the number one film of the year, which is makes me feel dirty a little bit. I like to I like to cover the underdogs more. So typical, Al. Such a typical man. Ah, that that could be a trend. What? I don't know. A typical man that covering a number one film makes me feel dirty. Yeah. You're a strange girl. You're just a typical, disgusting typical man. fucking male. Number one film, dirty, typical man. It's true. It is part of the problem of the world. Um, thank you, Christina, for guiding us through the top 20 films of 1980, the year I was born. Too long ago. I probably should probably bleep that out. I don't want to admit how old I am on this podcast. Um, Alex. Yes? Let's get into Empire Strikes Back. Very excited. I want to know if people's opinions have changed. Because mine has changed. But I'm not going to say in what way. Okay, great. Ever. <laughs> not even on this podcast. So, this film opens like the last one. That, Yep. Uh, with the fanfare and all the music and the scroll that goes off into the distance, which I won't read. Um, and they were transported down to the icy cold... Oh, no, before that, we open... <laughs> We've already fucked up. Yeah. We open again as the scroll disappears into space. Camera pans down and we see a um, Star Destroyer that's sending out probes across space. And we then follow one as it approaches an icy planet and lands and explodes... Um, in the snow, we cut to Luke, who's on a tauntaun, which is like a bipedal goat-like beast thing. Pony beast Like a yeti. camel thingy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, it's, but uh, it's got like the horns like a... Like a ram. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Camel ram. I love this opening with the probes coming out. I think yeah. it's really cool. I love that they kept that same theme. We're up in space. But instead of it being like, pew, 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 like fight, 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 it's like, no, just these probes going out. It looks really elegant and cool. Yeah. And then just following one down to the planet. Really yeah. love it. I think it's cool and so it explodes and then we we see luke he is um trying to see where this explosion landed a point about mark hamill in between star wars so you said that he looked no don't call me out i said i said something mean that i didn't know <laughs> he'd been through trouble typical man i think you said let's say that you, you said he looked a little rough yeah, yeah he looked a little rough yeah so what actually happened uh mark hamill in between um a New Hope and Empire Strikes Back had a very serious car accident, which fractured his nose and left cheekbone, and the injuries required plastic surgery, That's which made sad. him look different. Yeah, he does look Poor a little guy. bit different. It kind of works for the role, I think, though, because he you're looks... You're just trying to... No, but he looks you're weathered. You're just trying to <laughs> dig yourself out of that ditch. It ages him. Yeah, it ages him, and... Because uh, let's... Let, hang on. Okay, let's start with this. Do we get a... Does it say in the opening trawl what year we're in? Does do we get a specified amount of years between no. the first? Because we're three years in real time, 
Like that's how long it's taken for the sequel to come out, which is a substantial amount of time for sequels. Um, but I'm a little bit, because we go there, like it says all this stuff has happened. It seems like quite a lot. They set up a new base somewhere. The Empire's already tracked them down. They're like, well, we're about to track them down. They're trying to, and it's hot on their heels. We clearly, as we're about to get to, have quite a big progression in the things that they've been through because the characters seem to be in very different places. Like in the last it's film. so much better. Like Harrison Ford and Leia are like aggressively flirting with each other. In the last film, I don't think they flirted. Maybe once they flirted. So I think it does actually... Uh, the time passed is the time passed in real time. So it's about three years. It's it? about three years. It sort of uh, says... Um, that's and as I, far as they got in three years, as in the yeah, because he's still with Princess Leia. I tell you what, yeah, we're nearly there. We'll get to it, but he still Solo. hasn't paid off his debts. Which in three I years, know. It's like, come he's, on, well, dude. He's, he's you know he's committed to the rebellion, right? And helping the rebellion, right? Right. Yeah, he's a reformed man. Because I felt like maybe this is like four months later. Yeah, That's I felt like me. a year, maybe six months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, it's, everybody uh, did rebuild. That's true. They had to build that base. Yeah, it's three years according to online sources. Um, but that's what I like about all these sales films is that you have that time passing and you then the story know. picks up again. Yeah. And there's there's always backstory. Yeah, and there's yeah, gaps. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah it would suck actually to, to carry straight on, which I guess we kind of do in Return of the Jedi. Um, you almost carry straight on, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, so, where was I? Yeah, so Luke, Taunt, big yeah, Luke is looking for this probe and then he's suddenly attacked by a Wampa, a giant Yeti type thing knocked out and dragged away um not to be confused with a womp rat no no they're different <laughs> you shoot those t16 it's not impossible oh <laughs> uh. uh, then we cut to the rebel base inside the rebel base and we see han solo telling a general as you just mentioned that he has to leave because he has to pay off jabba he has to pay off his debt he's like, oh shit i forgot Which he hasn't paid <laughs> off yet he's like finally three years later going, oh i've got a moment here <laughs> Things are looking <laughs> things pretty, are looking pretty shitty. I better get out. <laughs> um, so he tells the general, um, has a little chat to Chewie, who's fixing the Millennium Falcon, and he goes to say goodbye to Leia. And obviously, like you just said as well, there's clearly Aggressive, some friction. almost rapey flooding going yeah. on. Let, um, all right, let, let's very quickly, we're starting off with this stop motion tonton. Mm-hmm. And then we get this big old Yeti man in a costume. Yeah. How are we feeling straight off the bat with these things going on? Because they're going hard for like okay let's really embrace the muppets in this film there's a lot more puppetry loads of creatures i mean i guess there were more creatures in the last one but they're really like letting you see them well i remember i think in the original theatrical release other than yes the stop motion of the tauntauns the wampa was pretty obscured oh okay in most of its shots often it was just a claw so is this added or is these just deleted scenes? I think some of it's added. The bit where he's eating, mm. just to fast forward a couple of scenes, where the Womp is eating in his cave, that was never in. Really? Release. It was just Luke hanging and then you see like an arm pass and the roars and the grumbles and yeah. then you see the claw. Which I kind of like. Yeah. It's a bit more obscured rather than a big giant Muppet. How are you feeling, Christina, with the stop motion? Like, do you like Harry Howell? How, what do you say? How do you say his name? Harry. Harry. Her. The guy who used to do all of the Clash of Titans and all of the cool stop motion animation. Um, Harry Housen or whatever his name was. Yeah. Um, do you like that kind of animation? Yeah, I liked it. It didn't take me out of the story. But there were like, I was, because now I'm kind of looking for the CGI stuff. <laughs> you got your eye, you're you know. looking out I'm like, for is it. that CGI or is it not? <laughs> So the, what are they called? The Wampers? 
the, the yeti, yeti oh, not the yeti, womp, the other one, tauntauns, tauntauns. When it was far back, so was that stop motion? Yeah, when oh. it was like a clay kind of. Yeah, that looked a little weird. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. is that CGI? Yeah, that's the only time where I was like, that was a little weird. So I, but um, close up and everything, it was fine because it was the uh, Muppets, right? Like yeah, the puppets, Muppet puppets, <laughs> Muppet puppets. Um, so George Lucas apparently yeah. made a point of saying, even though he wasn't directing the film, I think, I think he's done a lot of nice things in the years of these movies. But he sounds like a prick here. He's like, apparently, it's too easy to do effects in space because you have a black background, which is true. So you can mat stuff in, nice and easy. And he didn't want things to be easy, so he decided that the beginning of the story should take place on this snowy planet. Because, and this is literally his reason, because he knew the effects would be much, much harder to do. So the effects team would have to work much harder, making for a more impressive visual spectacle when they pulled it off. So he, instead of what most directors do, and they're like, how do I make this easy on my team? He was like, no, you've had it too easy. <laughs> I'm literally going to think of the hardest thing you could do, which is a white background to have your matte effects on so that everything will look as bad as possible because then it's going to look awesome. Um, he likes the challenge. Yeah, but it's not. He's not doing it. <laughs> he's not directing it, and he's not doing the effects. Um, he's paying for it. I have to say, and I'm gonna be like brutal on all these movies. So if you're tuning into this one for the first time, I'm a huge fan of this movie. I'm gonna be brutal. Looks really quite bad. I mean, there's a charm to it because there's a charm, I think, to stop motion animation. But coming straight off the back of the first one, which stands up mostly other than the fights for me. This one I was like, oh, I love the Tauntauns, but it looks weird having stop motion. And then this <laughs> big old Yeti boy turns up. <laughs> yep. And it's like, you're just a guy in a suit. <laughs> like, it didn't look... I don't know. I would prefer it if, yeah, they'd kept it more mysterious, that Yeti boy. Yeah, so in the re-releases, the, the Wampa was definitely added, explicitly okay. showing him in his full form. That's a shame. Yeah. Okay, so there's the first egregious thing then, I guess, that the re-releases did for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it doesn't take me out of the movie, but I was just surprised. Like, there's a lot, and they're panning like straight past like the Tauntaun's face and stuff, which is pretty cool. But like, I guess they're getting you ready for Yoda because yeah, Yoda's amazing, and I love him, but he also looks like a Muppet. Yeah, <laughs> and this movie's a movie full of Muppets, so in in kind of a great way. But it's just very different from where we left off. I feel. Yeah. Um, and I do want to quickly address Princess Leia and Han Solo. Yep, so, yep, so that's what you're up to. Because I didn't address this in the last film because I was looking to do it here. So I presume you know about this, but you won't know about this probably, Christina. Um, which is just before Carrie Fisher, you know, sadly died last year. I um, know. And just before she died, she brought out a book that was really her memoirs about stuff. And she wrote about the first Star Wars film and how her and Harrison Ford had an affair on the set. He was married at the time, <gasps> 35. She was actually 19 when she started working on it. That's what I thought, um, that she was like 18 or 19. She was 19 when she started, 21 by the time. Like, it was like quite a long process through mm. Um And yeah, they had a secret affair throughout um, that people... Well, they claim people didn't know about it. Harrison Ford is apparently very famously secret about his entire life. He never divulges any information. Carrie Fisher is, had become increasingly just candid. And she suffered great depression from like the age of 15 onwards. And she was really struggling it after with him. And then she writes, it's very, it's very honest and very beautiful actually to read um, about her relationship with him and how it kind of, it wasn't his fault, but it fucked her up in many ways and then defined her relationship with men for a long, long time afterwards. Um... 
And she actually sent a copy of the book to him before she released it to say, if there's anything you don't like in here, let me know. And he never got back to her, apparently, or didn't say anything bad about it. Is he still married to that same woman? No, no, he's been, he's an actor. He's been married like five times. (laughs) Okay. Um, Whatever. mm, Whatever. But he, uh, but yeah, apparently then when they got together for this one, and sorry, it's back, it had been three years, and she said literally they just never talked about it ever again. Um, To the point that, spoilers, when they do, you know, meet up um, briefly much further down the line in one of the sequels, um, they saw they were much older in years, and they saw this couple apparently on set who were like the same sort of age difference, because obviously it was quite a big age difference between them, like 15 years or whatever. Um, and she said, oh, look at those two clear, like, clearly flirting. And he, she said it was the only time he ever acknowledged what happened between them because he just turned to her and said, I hope they make it work. Well, oh, so. man. Yeah. Um, but <sighs> you can read it in this. And it's kind of weird because she said... That's you can, why there's you can so much see, good tension. Yeah, she's like, you can see how physically we're used to each other in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I, though, like, for me, I've always taken it just as, yeah, they're always really flirty. Watching the first one and then the second one, like spoilers for these two films, we're not doing it for the rest, but we've watched them back to back. It's really different. Like there's not really much flooding. Like Han Solo literally takes the piss out of Luke and pretends to find her attractive in the first one and clearly doesn't really care. And now in this one, he's just pursuing her. There's a huge leap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which for me feels like the writers, like maybe they just latched onto, well, people at cinemas three years ago like these two characters, so let's give them more chemistry. But I yeah. feel it's probably a bit of that and a bit of what people knew on set that something was going on between them. So let's play on the reality of that and use it maybe. Because you know on a set. I enjoyed it. <laughs> you like more sexual friction than films anyway, Christina. It's not sexual. Sure. It's the love. It's the love. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, there you go. I never knew. I know something that she never talked about until she was about to die, which I thought was, yeah, quite a nice. Did you watch that, the documentary? No, I haven't yet. Oh, no. you should. It's yeah, good. No. I want to. She was a, genuinely, so many people die and people go, oh my God, that was a lovely person. Most of the time I'm like, I don't know if that was a lovely person or not. It's sad they died, sure. But yeah. Mm. But she seems, honestly, every interview is like, she seems like a really lovely, smart, funny, interesting person. Yeah, and like very kind of candid and um, articulate about her, her journey and dark yeah. sort of moments as well. She's really interesting. Especially kind of growing up in a Hollywood environment. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Pretty amazing. Did you watch it? I didn't watch the documentary, no. Come on, guys. <laughs> we obviously have different tastes. <laughs> God. <laughs> Al, you dirty man and your number one films. <laughs> All right, um, let's get back to So, yeah, they obviously have that bit of tension that you're talking about. He tells Leia that he has to go because uh, a, ni- a nice little background bit. He mentions that he bumped into a bounty hunter on some planet somewhere. He mentions yep. that line and that he has to, therefore, that is his encouragement to oh, there you go. go and see Jabba. Because, Good uh, um, um, 3PO tells, uh, so when they're doing that, he they have this little moment in the hallway um, and then he gets back to the Millennium Falcon and 3PO's like, Luke hasn't returned. Um, so Han takes a tauntaun out in search of Luke. Um, we then cut to the cave where Luke's hanging upside down and we see the Wampa in its full form in these new added scenes, um, eating a piece of flesh, probably from the tauntaun, I think is what is implied. Um, Luke realizes he's glued, uh, his, his uh, feet are frozen to the ceiling of the cave. And this is the first time. I prefer glued. Time. Huh? I prefer glued. Glued. <laughs> he's got crafty with him. He's glued <laughs> to the top of the cave. Um, and his lightsaber is 
half out of this pile of snow not too far from him. This is the first time that we see Luke's progression and development Mm -hmm. with the Force. And actually the first time we see the Force in a way that people can move. Just moving stuff. Yeah, I don't think it's at all in the first film, is it? No. So this is new lore. Like we we see Obi-Wan make sounds or like make distractions. Yeah, Uh, control people's minds. But it hasn't been... Tele- um, it's being telekinesis but it hasn't been what do you call it psychokinesis is that what you call it when you move stuff yeah. yeah um and so yeah luke luke closes his eyes and manages to draw the lightsaber to him the womper comes up he cuts himself off cuts off the womper's arm arm one arm one out um, and then escapes out into the snowy terrain and into a blizzard obi-wan's uh han is looking for him um luke is unconscious in the snow he suddenly has a vision of obi-wan who appears from the snow and says to luke go to the dagobah system find master yoda it's really an Learn inconvenient to a time to tell him this don't you think yeah <laughs> they've had three years apparently where he's probably been fairly warm in rebel bases, but he picks the time when he's dying in a snowstorm. Say, so, oh, forgot to tell you. you should but really that's when go things happen. When your yeah. mind's fucked yeah. and you start seeing things. I mean, we don't know. When all shit's gone bad, you know? He's about to die. You're about to fall off the edge. And maybe Obi-Wan has been training Trying to get him. a call through, but... It was <laughs> yeah, he's bouncing off three years. Yeah, um, maybe he just hasn't been open enough to receive it. Yeah, that's true. So now his guards are down. Like your metaphors. Luke, who still doesn't understand that Ben was just a name that he had while he was in hiding. <laughs> ben, yeah. Ben. Yeah, why is he still playing Ben? Um, and then Han Solo breaks the vision and appears on the Tauntaun um, and grabs Luke out of the snow. While he's doing that, his Tauntaun dies of... Uh, Frozenness. Um, so Han... Knowing that Luke needs immediate warmth, uses his lightsaber, which I think is the only time, well, actually maybe in the future, but I won't spoil it. Um, a non-Jedi uses. You a just lightsaber. spoiled it. <laughs> yeah, <I did. laughs> fucking, she gets up and walks out. Cuts, cuts open the tauntaun, shoves Luke into its stinky carcass, um, and then sets up. Uh, so this is an iconic moment for sure. Opening yeah. the tauntaun, doing a Native American kind of thing. Yeah. Going inside your horse for warmth. Mm-hmm. As seen by Leo in The Revenant. Yep. Oh, that's where I saw it. <laughs> that was the first place it ever happened. Um, it's also, uh, yeah, I, I was reading some interesting trivia with this. Like, these were real blizzards. None of this was fake in any way, any of the blizzards in the beginning of this movie. Oh, my And they had God. these severe storms where they were in Norway. <laughs> and one night it happened. And instead of everyone going, oh, we should call a shoot off. The director told Mark Campbell, this is perfect. I want you to go out there and do like this whole scene. Uh, while the director and the cameraman stayed inside the hotel and shot through the window <laughs> with Mark Hamill just outside the hotel walking through all the snow. Amazing. Um, oh, and also before director that privileges. bit, before <laughs> the sad. Um, we have a moment back at the base uh, where Leia's sort of sitting there and um, and they're told that they have to close the shield door because it's getting too late and the blizzard's too crazy. And 3PO says, oh, they've got no chance of survival, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, everyone uh, thinks everyone's going to die at the beginning of this movie. There's and like- Leia kind of looks all sad and Chewie grabs the the ladder to the Falcon and lets out a big roar. Um, yeah, and... You're going to do the roar. Honestly, <laughs> out of all the characters... I identify with Chewie the most. I understand that completely. I think I feel the same way. No one listens to you. You just... <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like... Just his, his, his groans and moans. Yeah. And it's just like, I feel the same way, Chewie. And he's like brave at certain points and just 
scared at yeah. other points in like more realistic manners, I think, than everybody mm-hmm. else. He's not interested in being a hero. He just seems to love everybody. I know. Well, he I has love a him. life debt to Han Solo. Yes. Would you uh, like to tell us about the life debt? Is that a spoiler Solo? again? Uh, well, this is part of the extended universe. So I don't know if it's part of the Legends or non-canon now. And I don't know if they'll use it in the spin-off Han Solo film. But in the original uh, extended universe books, the Han Solo trilogy, which is essentially about the young Han Solo. Uh, Han Solo, who was in um, the Imperial Navy, um, was on, I think, Kashyyyk, where the Wookiees are from. He was either there or, or basically um, Chewbacca was a slave and <gasps> was going to be killed and Han Solo rescued him um, and his family. And so Chewbacca has a life debt to Han Solo. And so that's why he's like incredibly loyal. And What's sense. his name again? Chewbacca. Is it Chewbacca or yeah. Chewbacca? Chewbacca. But they just call him Chewy. Chewy. You just say it funny. It must be the Australian. Don't laugh, that. Hey, you listen to it, yeah. Chewbacca? Chewbacca? <laughs> Leia? Leia? How did you feel when... Because um, you wrote quite a lot of EU stuff, didn't you? Uh, a few different ones, yeah. How did you feel when they Disney decided to shed on all that and say, no, you wasted your time. That's not canon anymore. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. I was just actually, just when we finished watching this film, another series that I read... Um, which was awesome because it was set between Empire Strikes Back and Jedi was the Shadow of the Empire books, which they then expanded into games and comics. And I was just reading about it before we started. And the reason why they did that was because Lucasfilms and LucasArts was kind of in a bit of limbo at that point because no films had been released in over 10 years. I don't think the prequels were quite on the horizon yet. Mm -hmm. So it was like, how can we fill all this space? Right. and then that was brought in and that storyline. Um, and, and, nope. che- and I was just checking and I was like, I wonder if that's still part of it. Because that was like so rigid rigid and like so tied in between those two films and had such an interesting storyline. And apparently as well, that's been been cut off. Because um, they might want to do that story between Empire and Return at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, it's sort of... Good thing about that Disney bunny. Kathleen yeah. Kennedy. We'll get to her. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's sort of... It sucks a little bit um, because those stories are all there. I mean, the stories after there were there were stories set directly after the original trilogy as well, right? With to do with the Skywalkers and what Luke did, and right, 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 and right. how he started Jedi Academy and the so Solo the full, children. Force Awakens kind of like, era. Force Awakens took elements of those things, but completely okay. changed it. Okay, I still like when you regale me with stories. So don't worry, you can always. Or you can always ring me up and just tell me stuff. They're always canon in my eyes. Um, So, yeah, they send out an airspeeder the next day to find Han and Luke and they locate him. Luke is returned and he's put in a Bacta tank to recover and in a giant diaper. Yeah, he is. That's really weird. (laughs) Really fucking weird. So what? They were going to yeah, they're it's basically, like, it's like what they're doing with C-3PO at the beginning of Star Wars, they're dunking him in a bath that cures everything. Yeah, um, it's one of those, it's meant to be like um, rapid recovery and cell redevelopment. I see. The giant diaper, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> you gotta poop like a lot, you don't know how long he's in there for. <laughs> I thought they didn't have underwear in space. Oh, good point. George mm-hmm. Lucas, double standard. Well, Should have been penis out. Is that his junk was duct taped. Right, <laughs> yeah. all the way back. His penis his was legs. too big for the look that just Lucas has gone on. So he had to like, duct tape. 
Um, Christina, you raised a good point of why couldn't they take these fucking snow speeders yeah. out at night? Okay, I'm sorry, <laughs> but yeah, why can't you take those snow speeders out at nighttime? That's it. I'm presu- I am presuming because I know there is there are they'll some because it's yeah. just below. It's too cold. Maybe because there is some mechanics that don't work. I guess. But I mean, that's what you have to believe if you want to believe the story. Put a heater in them. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I feel. I love this movie still, but when watching it this time, I was like, there's quite a lot in here that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. <laughs> there's quite a lot of stuff that just happens to happen. Ah! Really. That was Which close. is very different from <laughs> the last film where I thought everything really supported each other. And this one, it's just like stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And you're along for the ride or you're not. It's yeah. a fast ride, this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Luca recovers. And there's a moment uh, while he's recovering that Han and Leia are still kind of arguing and fighting. Which then prompts Leia to kiss Luke. Yeah. Um, much to the annoyance. Well, not really annoyance. She's around. She's kissing everybody. Yeah. It sort of then makes Han like, go, okay, fine. I'm out of here. In, um, in that in that conversation, we have like three of the most iconic Star Wars lines ever written. Yes, we do. You got laser brain. Laser brain. You got laugh it up, fuzzball. Yep. You got scruffy looking nerf herder. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's fantastic. Yeah. I got to say, this one was a lot more funny. Really? Than the first one. Who you call? I don't scruffy. think I laughed in the first one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. much. This one I laughed. I think everything is heightened in this one. I think it does mm-hmm. what a, you'd expect a sequel to do. I think the darker bits are darker. Like the, I, I think because this one's known as more the miserable one, but I do think you're right. I think when there is comedy, it's more comedy comedy. Yeah. Um, and I think the love is like there's way more pronounced love elements. I feel everything's just turned up to eleven. Mm-hmm. The action movie. was turned up. Yeah, the action. There's more action. But then there's a huge lull. But like this beginning bit that you're about to get to goes on for ages. Yeah. There's a huge fucking bombastic action scene that goes on for ages. Um, yeah. So then what we cut to is um, the realization that there's an Imperial droid somewhere. So Han and Chewie go to investigate. Um, when they see it, Han tries to shoot it. It self-destructs. The rebels then realize that they probably have to evacuate because the empire, the imperial fleet's on its way. We then cut to the imperial fleet, and this is the first time we see Vader. He sees the transmission. His uh, his commanders are like, "No, that's nothing. Like it could be anything." And he's like, "Nope, that is the imperial uh, rebel base, and we're going to Hoth. Let's go." That's his original voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I I love it when they look surprised to suddenly see Vader on a Skype call. They're like doing other stuff, and then it suddenly pops in. Oh, oh, hey, hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. Um, at this point, Luke has recovered. He says farewell to the rebels because he's gonna, uh, as they evacuate and go to battle. Um, Vader prepares for the ground assault. First transport gets away. First um, rebel transport gets away untouched and then suddenly in the distance we see the imperial walkers approaching the rebel forces now this bit for me just it didn't look good anymore oh and i was like where's he going yeah all right so let's backtrack a tiny 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 bit um yeah so we've had like a bunch of bits that we've been talking on yeah skype calls and stuff like they did in the last one i liked in the last one it looked kind of dirty and this one i feel they've 80s up a little bit in some mm-hmm. of those it didn't look as cool to me it looked a bit tacky but then when you get him looking through those binoculars to see the atats is it atats atats yeah um for me like that reveal looked great when yeah. he sees the feet and then he pans back yeah and you see all three cool. of them walking looked awesome I love Atat so much, and I'm so happy they're part of Star Wars lore. I still don't understand 
what practical mind would come up with these and go, yes, this is a great military vehicle to yeah. have. They move at a quarter of a mile per hour. They're on huge spindly legs. And apparently they're based on the War of the Worlds. Um, right. Things. They're just such a weird, dumb contraption, but they, I still thought they looked great. Yeah, I had moments when it just felt... I don't know if it was seeing it on a big screen and seeing it super clear where it just felt too stop motion-y. Yeah. No, I, I can see that. Yeah. And there are some outliers. There's some blue screen stuff there that's not good. Yeah. Because George Lucas is like, no, you fuckers. You can do it on a white background. Yeah, yeah. Um, how, how, for fresh eyes, Christina. It didn't, all, it didn't look that great. Okay. Yeah. Those so, big things, yeah. The big things. The big sometimes things. Sometimes it, it was fine, but sometimes it looked, looked a little weird. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it just felt... Like, it didn't look like it was actually there sometimes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think there's a lot in this scene for me, like, from the plane's front. It's so ambitious. Like, this scene's just mm-hmm. so crazily more ambitious than anything they did in the first one. That yeah, there's a lot of scenes that are fraying. Like, I'm still along with it just because I love... I don't know, like, again, maybe it's nostalgia. Like, I love Atat so much. Yeah. Even though it's so dumb. Um... That I kind of let it get away with it, but yeah, the effects look weird. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I think for the nostalgia and just loving the film, I still love that scene. But and I'll probably get to this again at the end when we have our recommendation. It just compared to some of the scenes in the first one, this one felt like it had aged, right? And felt a bit dated. I just think they're doing too much. And I, I think just... that's it. I think it's the ambition of those moments. Yeah, and I think like well, as soon as I read that thing, that's why I wanted to say that with Lucas making a point of yeah i want a thing on 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 ice because i want it to be harder it's like why why are you doing yeah. that like i love that it's on the snowy planet i think that's cool i did like the location mm-hmm. but it's just a lot it's like you want you didn't have the budget like 18 yeah. million and that's 10 over budget like it's like there's not much money to make a movie like this mm-hmm. it's crazy so yeah the walkers approach um Wedge Antilles is able to harpoon one. Um, His name's Wedge? Wedge, yeah. Um, He was in the first one as well. Mm. He's like a recurring side character. Okay. Um, One of the the rogue squadron pilots. Um, Thought he looked familiar. um, Yeah, he's able to harpoon it on Luke's instruction and twist its legs. And then Luke's able to like, well, then they're able to blow it up. Luke's airspeeder gets hit. He crashes. um, um, And then he manages to like hoist himself up onto an attad and yeah, that looks weird. throw a grenade into it and blow it up. Um, but basically the rebels aren't able to stop the flow of Imperial troops who enter the base and the rebels start retreating. Um, the power generator is destroyed. Vader enters the base. Um, Leia, Han, Chewie um, and 3PO get to the Falcon and they're trying to get away. But the, the repairs haven't been finished yet and it doesn't start and the store troopers try and destroy it. Um, but they do manage to escape just as Vader appears to the Imperial March. Happens a lot. Vader yeah. turns up and people just get away in time. They yeah. just need better designers, I find, the Empire. Because they created Death Star, which took God knows how long to make mm-hmm. with one little funnel that will destroy the whole thing. Yeah. And then they create Atats, which are great other than if you put some string around their legs, they fall over. <laughs> like, they need to be thinking these things through. Mm-hmm. Um... So they get away. Luke meets up, uh, is picked up by R2 and his X-Wing and they set a course for the Dagobah system. Um, the Empire, however, is in pursuit of the Millennium Falcon and its hyperdrive doesn't work. So Han sees an asteroid field ahead and he decides to fly into it despite Leia's protestations. 
Uh, and he says they'll escape the fleet and TIE fighters in there and that it's safer to hide in one of the bigger asteroids. Then we cut back to Luke, who tries to land on Dagobah, but because it's so misty and swampy, his plane crashes into a swamp. Um, R2 gets out of the water and has this cute little moment where his eye pokes up in the swampy water. Um, but then we see a big beast, much like the trash sort of compactor, kind of appear and disappear under the water, which then grabs R2 and then suddenly spits him out upon realizing it's a droid. Stupid robot. Yeah. So... Like the structure for this movie is really strange. Like you have that beginning where it's like really quiet and you just got those probes come down and then you have that whole beginning bit with Luke and the Yeti boy doing their thing, which really doesn't need to be there in any it's just like here's an adventure basically that happened. Like it's not pertaining in any way to the main narrative or really any character stuff either. Well, unless you consider the bit about him using the force. Yeah, but you could do it in any way, can you? In any way yeah, whatsoever. You could do that. That's what I mean with the first film, they'd find a way to do that in a way to also push the narrative forward. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It's just like, and I've no problem with that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying you have this weird kind of opening and then you just go crazy bombastic action for ages and ages and ages. Um, and then they get out of that the snowy attack like fight and then they're in an asteroid field just doing like crazy 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 action with <laughs> yeah. crazy ambitious effects again and i have to say by the time luke crashed on dagobah i was kind of excited for things to get quiet <laughs> i was like it's been loud for a long time the music yeah. has been non-stop for ages i'm kind of excited for it just to chill out for mm-hmm. a little bit um, which it does as soon as he crashes it all like the pace slows down yeah and i actually um I was thinking about it towards the end of that. I do like the structure of this film compared to some of the others in the series. Right, okay. Which have become a bit sort of formulaic in the sense of um, having like battle at the end, uh, at the beginning and at the end, like a big star battle thing Mm -hmm. and, and a lightsaber battle. And I like that this kind of... Um, I mean, you still have the lightsaber battle at the end, but there's no big like firefight again, and it's kind of yeah. There's even the even the lightsaber battle is a very personal kind of confrontation. You know, it's the structure is so very much strange. about the fighting. I think it's definitely a screenplay. You can tell, like, and it's a very good screenplay for a first direct first writer. Um, mm-hmm. You can definitely tell it's a first writer's screenplay because he's yeah. not adhering to any of the regular rules. Whereas yeah, the last yeah. one adhered to every one of them to a T. Yeah, um, and it's both, I think, to the film's benefit and detriment. I think, it's the sure. be- I think the best and worst things about this film are because it's breaking all the narrative kind of structure rules. Yeah. Um, also, um, what was I going to say quickly? Uh, yeah, I really like Leia a lot more in this film. She seems like a real person in this film. Mm-hmm. And I like seeing her like at that base immediately commanding people and being a princess slash general. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's like, it's much more satisfying. In the last movie, she just kind of, she showered the bunch and seemed like she thought she was doing, but she was just like, wasn't doing much. Yeah. She I felt mean, she more was, powerful in this one. Yeah. yeah. She was the damsel in distress in the first one. Yeah. She was still like a mouthy, like one with good character. But in this one, she actually gets to, she just feels more mature in this. And all. Mm-hmm. They all kind of do though. Yeah. Luke a little bit too. Yeah. A little bit. He's mm-hmm. a little bit more empathetic, I think, in this one. Yeah. His, has yes. his moments. He does yeah, have he his does moments. He does have his moments. <laughs> but uh, I like the relationship that built with him and R2-D2. That, yeah. was a, yeah. that was nicer, you yeah. know? And then even him with uh, Hans is a little better too. Yeah, you feel a good brotherhood between them mm-hmm. now, which is nice. And then him with uh, Leia. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, they completely turn it off. That's the weird thing, yeah. though, isn't it? Because, like, he was seemed to be besotted with her. I know, but he's kind of just, like, accepted that... Yeah, he just wants to go to where the Jedi now. It's yeah, kind of becoming think, a monk. Yeah. Sex exactly. is not important think, to him anymore. I think that's yeah, where, where he goes into. We talked about in the last podcast of sort of Luke has no kind of se- sexuality or sex appeal. Yeah. And in, in, in the character himself, he seems kind of asexual. Like, yeah. he's just, like, he's so dedicated to his religion or his faith and i addressed that toy a few times in my youth are you as a eunuch confirmed (laughs) (laughs) Um, so after he crashes on dagobah we cut to um a real cool scene that i've always really really liked which is the reveal of vader getting his mask put on yeah as as he sits in the the open chamber burns was he burns Sort of, yeah, it's like burnt, lacerated. Scars, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so you see that and you see it. And I, I like that you don't even see it directly. You see it kind of from slightly behind the chamber itself. Yeah. Um, from the sort of perspective of the the Imperial commander that's approaching. And he, he even winces as he watches. Yeah. Um, and I've always liked that. Is that his house? He's in this little pod. And it didn't look like a meditation pod. He had stuff it's his in room. there. He had some gadgets in there. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what that is. I can't remember if it's like a recovery kind of chamber or... That's what I thought, but it looked too like... I don't um, know, it looked like he had, you know, have a TV and a Rubik's Cube and yeah. hung out. Because <laughs> he's like taken off and then he t- says to him, do some stuff. And then his little pod closes <laughs> again. He's like, I'm going to keep watching Netflix. Um, and then we cut to the asteroid and there there are... Uh, they're just on the asteroid trying to figure out what to do and it starts to shake and they're like, ah, oh, whatever. Um, tremors. We- yeah, tremors. Yeah, tremor. Very tremors. Um, and then we cut back to Dagobah where Luke has set up um, a little camp with, with R2 and trying to figure out what to do while he has a snack, like a little breadstick or something. Um, yeah. When he suddenly <laughs> realizes that he's being watched um, and he turns around and points his blaster at a little green man who doesn't reveal his identity straight away, but starts going through his belongings and is very kind of cheeky and sort of almost senile. Um, I love this opening. He just wants to eat all of his food. Yeah, and tries (laughs) to eat his food and then finds this torch that he wants to keep and then R2 tries to snatch it off him and he's like, mine, mine! (laughs) And they have a little thing and he just plays this sort of innocent, naive uh, old man. Uh, But then when Luke reveals to him that he's looking for a Jedi, the little green man says, oh, you're looking for Yoda. Um, still not revealing his identity. It's Yoda. Spoilers. Um, spoilers. Um, and then he tells Luke that he will go and take him to find Yoda. Can you imagine a time watching this film and not knowing that's Yoda? Yeah. I was trying to imagine that's it. That's true. And I couldn't Even do it. I knew it was Yoda. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I just can't even... I, I can't tell would that have worked or not. Like, I really can't. Because I feel... Because they already did it in the first one with Obi-Wan. Yeah, but he revealed it pretty quickly. He was like, "Oh, yeah, but I'm Obi Wan." Um, so with this one, I just can't tell. It would have worked, and I don't know like how different the film. But I'm happy with it knowing that it's Yoda. So I guess if you didn't know, it'd be just even better. And so, how do you feel after the prequels? Where don't say in that. Phantom Menace? Oh, should I not say any of this yet? Okay, no, actually. no, yeah, let's wait. Let's wait. We okay, just have so, to judge okay, these as so, they are. Okay, not going back to any prequels. How did you feel with Puppet Yoda? I. So I have to say, coming into this, I thought I remembered, and maybe it's in the next one, CGI Yoda. Like, I was for sure, and I know, like, in the prequels, but I, I know there were a couple of shots, because I even had it in my list of stuff, like, where they went back and they added some CGI Yoda into 
these much like they did cgi et when they went back into et mm-hmm. for a couple of scenes i thought it was in this one it must be in return of the jedi i guess yeah um so i was waiting in dread for when am i going to get a cgi yoda which is going to upset me and i didn't get it so like it's like i say he's clearly a muppet like clearly yeah, yeah. and you could just see frank oz operating him and apparently any day when luke was having a hard time frank would bring out uh, miss piggy to make him laugh. <laughs> um you could just totally see that side of it and it is stupid like it's one of those things like i can't imagine being alive at the time waiting three years Star Wars one is pretty serious for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then you get this film with basically just lots and lots of Muppets in it. Yeah. I don't know how I would have felt. I might have felt a bit annoyed about it, maybe. I don't know. Um, but I fucking love Yoda. Like, I, I just... Yeah. I love that he's just a little puppet. And I think he's got loads of charisma. And I think... I think if he was just silly the whole time, it would annoy me. But you get these great bits that, yeah, we'll, we'll get to in a bit where he says mm-hmm. a few lines that really for me there's only one place in this entire film where i get my skin crawls a little bit and yeah. it's from yoda so yeah what about you christina like having i mean yoda now is uh, such a pop culture icon and that we're so familiar with seeing him in an animated form cgi form but this is like his original incarnation so how did how did it how did, was it for you it didn't bother me either. Maybe I'm just like, I don't know, so forgiving with this movie. But yeah, I like Yoda. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And his voice is so great. Yeah. So his eyes mean, are just everything great. together. It, yeah, the eyes are great. I don't know. Did they have Believable like, still, you know? Are the eyelids like independent? Because they seem to be in lot. Oh, they must have lots of different models of him because his eyes are always doing like different things. And quite often one's more shut than the other, which makes it seem alive. I think the problem yeah. with puppets is a lot of time they're both always perfect. And, and there was work. one cool bit where he was walking and he like looked up that way and then he like looked back that way as he kept walking. Yeah. Um, I loved his house. Yeah, his yeah. house is oh, great. his house is so mm-hmm. cool. And R2-D2 just peeking in through the window was yeah. so cute. Oh, it was such a cute house. I even liked like the little village that they lived in in the first, uh, in the first one, mm. um, the one that Luke and the one in the desert. Yeah, yeah, that's when you asked like Adobe. When was this filmed? Because I want to move there. Was, yeah, <laughs> I really liked it. Well, yeah, Tunisia and so a film was, set. <laughs> this was kind of similar though too, but just a little smaller because it had those like it was a white house and it had those dome domes. Yeah, you like a dome house. Yeah, I do love a dome house. All right, learning a lot about you. So, um, <laughs> a little fun fact about Yoda was um, Frank Oz apparently thought it was a real failure on his behalf of the puppeteering that during those Yoda scenes you see his ears go. Yeah. as he talks oh okay because of just oh really just vibrations control the, the shaking of the like materials or the prosthetics or whatever okay and so he always felt that that was a, a failure on his part apparently hmm. but what they did in the later versions of Yoda and the CGI was that they they would include that in his in CGI as versions, part of as a part his of his character trait yeah wow you they're really determined just, to tie everything in yeah so you just keep an eye on like that and as we move forward like you see it's just like yeah, to me so it works as, as a character trait I thought it was mm-hmm. just like you know he's a little bit twitchy yeah um, I will say the only problem with Puppet Yoda and I don't think the way they did it in the prequels when we get there we'll talk about it they solved it is he is meant to be a Jedi and we'll learn in the other films you know Jedis are meant to be pretty great like sword fighters and pretty nimble in battle it's hard to buy him and this puppet 
as anything other than he can move stuff with his mind. Like he looks like he's very much at the end of everything and he could never do any gymnastics or any fighting or anything yeah. like that in puppet form, which I'm fine with because I kind of like him just being, no, I'm, I don't, I can't physically do much anymore, but I can do stuff with my mind. Yeah. I mean, he's well, I like 800 years old, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think they tie in that. In an, that makes sense. Okay. Good, good. Yeah. But we'll get to that. It's some ways off. Um, a long way out to row this boat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we cut back to the uh, Millennium Falcon and Han Solo um, trying to repair the hyperdrive um, and getting instructions from C-3PO, um, who's been speaking to the Millennium Falcon. Um, Han Solo basically insults him and then goes up to Chewie and whispers his <laughs> instructions, <laughs> which is really funny. And then he has another confrontation with Leia, um, while she's like frustratingly trying to fix something, he kind of comes in and grabs her by the hand. And um, I can't remember the exact conversation there, but he ends up, they end up sort of heavily flirting and yeah. seducing each other and have a, have a kiss, yeah. which is then interrupted by C-3PO to say that he's fixed something. Han, oh, yeah, yeah, Han yeah. turns around to thank him begrudgingly and like pushes him out the door and turns around and Leia's run away. Um, then we cut to the Emperor's message. Well, we're um, getting a Darth on the Skype conference call. Yeah. Like three different <laughs> With, uh, Emperor Palpatine. Um, now this was a scene that was added. Mm-hmm. Originally this scene, um, the makeup artist Rick Baker used his wife who he made a slight prosthetic mask with. Um, and then they superimposed the eyes of a chimpanzee <laughs> over it. You can can look. you get up? I'll get up an image. You'll um, so that was the original theatrical release. And then after the release of the prequels, um, they added Ian McDermott, who played Emperor Palpatine in Return of the Jedi um, and all the prequel films to come in and film um, this new sequence where he's talking to Darth Vader. And I think they actually... Um, changed a lot of the dialogue as well to reflect to reflect the prequels yeah so there oh god yeah we're looking at the original footage for now the emperor with the chimpanzee eyes um so yeah they 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 changed the dialogue as well to kind of tie everything in back to the prequels um i like it and anakin skywalker so you were saying alex this is the one place where you're kind of happy that you went back and tampered with the old films yeah, just because <laughs> the eyes it's do look up. weird. The eyes look weird, and <laughs> we obviously see the Emperor in Return of the Jedi, um, and then the same actor Ian McDermott plays the Emperor in the prequels. Okay, so there becomes a, a synchronicity. In That's how the same the actor in the prequels who plays him in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, how does that work with time wise? Because like what, fifteen years later? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously in Return of the Jedi, he was heavily prosthetic and... Okay. Um, made to look old anyway. Made to look old and haggard, and then they just, like, aged him back up. Okay. Um, but there was at least then a synchronicity in, like, voice and character. Okay. So, for me, it was it made sense to to bring him in for that part. Okay. Um, and then I liked how it sort of tied in narratively with the change of dialogue for that. I must admit the chimpanzee eyes now look, look weird. Yeah. But I am kind of like, yeah, I wish they thought of that earlier. I wish if they knew they were going to have him return to Jedi, then they just cast, you know, cast sure. it properly. Um, that kind of pisses me off. But I'm also like, well, you did what you did. It's like, you know, if they went back and put 
Mark Ruffalo over Ed Norton in Incredible <laughs> yeah. Hulk. It's just kind of yeah. like, well, you made your choice. So. I mean, if if the role had been bigger, maybe. But yeah, it's yeah. like... Just a little bit. Thing. A little no, bit I, get, I get you. I don't really... I'll be honest. Um, I don't I don't like the casting of the Emperor in, in any of the films. Oh, that's interesting. But we'll get to that. Controversial. Um, so, yeah, we have that little scene. Basically, the Emperor tells um, uh, Vader that there's been a disturbance in the Force... And that he thinks that the person that destroyed the Death Star is the son of Skywalker, son of Anakin Skywalker, um, and that they must kill him, or or no, that that Darth Vader has to bring him to the Emperor, yeah. and Vader is of the belief and convinces the Emperor that he can he can um, bring him to the dark side it- because it's his son, so he doesn't want to have to kill him. Yeah, son. is it weird or? cool do you think that he refers to his himself as um a different person like he refers to anakin yeah no it's not weird because the idea is that anakin died is dead oh Mm. he is anakin no it's it's (laughs) obi-wan what he says in the movie you know he's the father yeah. I know, but does the emperor... Oh, is that the guy, the chimpanzee guy? Chimpanzee, no. Chimp- emperor is, is his the name? emperor. He's what different. is the chimpanzee? Palpatine. Palpatine. Right? Yeah. yeah. He said it's it's a Anakin's son. Yeah. yeah. Does he know that Darth Vader is Anakin? Yeah. Yes. But that's what we're saying. It's like, because so they why? both know, and even Darth Vader refers to himself as his third person. <gasps> I think, I think to be honest, because they haven't had the reveal yet of I'm your father... They are trying to keep it still in the dark. They're trying, trying to throw to you off the scent the for sure. by he refers to himself in the third person kind of thing. For sure. So that's just to throw the audience I off. think partly. But I do think also, like Alex saying, it's reveal. a separation in mind of he, that part of him. Like yeah. Anakin was the human side, the pen, perhaps the Jedi parts. The dark side part of him is Darth. Because we'll, we'll eventually see when he... You probably haven't seen it yet because you haven't watched it all the way through. But when he's can't, essentially can't when he's anointed as Darth Vader, right, it's okay. kind of the symbolic end. Even though Obi Wan in the first one only knew him as Darth. <laughs> oh, hello, Darth. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, so Vader says that he will bring him to the Emperor and and basically bring him to the dark side so they can rule the galaxy. Um, but we then cut back to Yoda's hut. Yoda. Um, Yoda's like, oh, we'll go, fi- we'll find Yoda soon. And Luke's like, no, I want to find him now. And then he's like eating <laughs> That's exactly his Yoda porridge and is like pulling faces because he's a little brat. And he's like, oh, I want to find Yoda. Um, and I want know, my free porridge. Yeah, and he's like getting so impatient and to the point where Yoda basically says, mm, he cannot be trained. Um, and then we hear Obi-Wan's now, voice. Fucking nowhere. For Old the ben. first time, yeah, he's just like, uh, yeah, Obi-Wan speaks and says that he can. But Yoda's like, no, there's too much anger in Luke. Um, and he's not ready and he's too old. Um, and he does another <laughs> classic line where he says, I'm not scared. Yeah. Yoda's like, you will be. Yeah, you, you will be. will be. <laughs> yeah, and that bit's really cool. It's really creepy having a Muppet say yeah. that. Basically to, to camera. Uh, yeah, that bit is creepy. Um, and then we cut to them, um, cut back to Han Solo. And they're in a cave. Uh, they're still in the cave. Um, Leia suddenly sees a bat sucker-faced thing appear yeah, on the window. Screams, I love that thing. And Han Solo's like, "We're gonna go. I'm gonna go out there. You know, we just fix the ship. I'm not gonna have any, let anything destroy it." So they all go out. And three PO says, "Well, I guess I'll guard the ship." Um, and then they're out there like and they're shooting these bat things. And then Han Solo is like, "Wait a minute!" Boom! 
bomb yeah, shoots, the, shoots floor. the floor. If you had this thought, wouldn't you poke it? Yeah. Would you really shoot it? Shoots the floor, which suddenly starts to shake. And he's like, we have to get out of here. Um, I poked the bear. And they think it's an earthquake. Um, now, is it in that bit? Yeah. So then they fly out. And as they're flying out, it starts to close. And one of them's like, the cave's collapsing. And he's like, it's not a cave. And you realize it's a big slug. It's a tremor worm. Yeah, tremor it's worm. They fly out, out of the asteroid. Um, then we cut back to Luke and he's doing his Jedi training. Um, he's like lifting rocks and lifting objects and doing a handstand and has Yoda on one leg. How many wires were he using? Because it's really impressive. It's like on one hand. One hand, yeah. Leg spread one leg out. out. Yeah. He really one buffed up for this Yoda. film. Oh, he yeah, did? For sure. Well, look, he's it. like way more sculpted. I guess he did do that. He did go upside down like that. Yeah, maybe. For real. I have no idea. But maybe he had like a rope around him, like a harness. I reckon he had for sure. Yeah, you reckon? Yeah, you imagine how many foot. times he had to do that and for how long. Just one one, one take, Mark Hamill. I don't. Uh, really? No. <laughs> they <laughs> also do that. like, so as well as lifting rocks, uh, Yoda like does a little piggyback thing and they run around. <laughs> oh yeah, that was cute. <laughs> I, I looked away for a second and I missed it. I missed the flip. It's my favorite bit. <laughs> That's right. He does a flip. And basically at this point, Yoda's telling Luke about the force and warning him about the dangers of the dark side. Um, and he tells Luke that the light side is for knowledge and defense, never attack, which is um, what mm. the dark the side is. Between for. karate and Jedi. And Jedi and judo. <laughs> I really <laughs> enjoy that, uh, the swamp forest yeah. Yeah. location. Um, it's magical. I think you can live guys. there pretty cheaply. So I would move. Just go to Louisiana. <laughs> But I can't... No. No. But yeah, there's that, that whole speech is really cool. Just like him talking about what the force is. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I started writing it down because I wanted more ammo for when we get to it later when they're clearly telling us exactly how the force is as the energy of all things mm-hmm. and it's in the trees and in the rocks and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, we'll get to it later. We'll, we'll get to that. Was and then at that point, oh, so he's wait, telling wait, wait. him... What? <laughs> what was weird is with Darth Vader... For the first one, he barely used the for- force. Yeah. And this one, he's using the force all the time. He's on a killing spree in this film. Because again, they're turning everything up to 11. Like, he is yeah. a bad okay. guy up to 11 in this film. But it's like, it was so almost calls. like he didn't have that that much of the force with him the first time. No, I was just sleepy. Okay. I don't. Let's be honest. I don't think in the first film they decided on all the rules of the force. They yeah. didn't, yeah. I feel this is the film where they really, the law gets fleshed out properly in terms mm-hmm. alright if this is going to be a thing now we need to fill out all those gaps because there's a lot more usage of the force in this there one is, for yeah. sure um, okay. and then so at that point during the training point said <laughs> uh, Luke suddenly gets chills while he's standing near this cave and Yoda's like that is uh, that cave has like the presence of the dark side but encourages Luke to go into it um, and he says to Luke don't take your weapons yeah. Why does he encourage him? No. But he still has his lightsaber. Yep. He still takes That's it. That's a weapon. Yeah. It is a weapon. No, what, but what always, as a kid, this bit, this is the bit that freaked me out, I think, in this film the most as a kid was going into the tree. Mm-hmm. I'm watching it now as an adult. It's like, because it, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love like metaphorical, like mm-hmm. allegories and all that stuff. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, what is this cave? Like, why is there in the bottom of a tree this thing that sees into your darkest soul and that makes you face your demons? Why? And why is it just near Yoda's house on this weird plant? Did Yoda why put not? it there? Did like... Well, it's my training like, grounds. How much, how no, much but, of that vision does Yoda manipulate as he's like sitting there? Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm never clear really what's going that? on. 
But then I know that in, in the stories and the mythology, I think on Dagobah, there are places that are like, or across the galaxy that are like Sith kind of. Okay. Little focus grounds. Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. I feel Hmm. like Yoda wasn't controlling it, but he knew. No, he he was going to see in there. Yeah. Yeah. And what he sees is, yeah, Darth Vader. And he sees, yeah, because then he acknowledges that later. Yoda calls it like the failure at the cave. Yeah. So he knows, like, so then that's the thing is, like, is it a test that Yoda set up for him? Technically won the battle. So is it a Um, failure? I mean, I think it's a... It's a test that all Jedi's have to go through. For yeah, sure. I know. I'm just confused. I just want a little bit more with why do you like just at least like, oh, there are these hot spots around the galaxy, yeah. which are these places. We, or, or it's just in his head and that's fine. I'm fine with them just going into his head and he has to like meditate to get to this place. But the fact is like, no, go under that tree and there's this cool little place where you face your demons. Yeah. It's just always been weird for me. So yeah, so there's... So in case audience don't know what this bit is, he goes in, has a vision Jedi. that he's approached by Darth Vader. He engages in a lightsaber duel and he attacks and decapitates him. Uh, but as he does that, he the, the mask explodes and re- he reveals his own face. Only his own face, Alex. Yeah, his own face. What does it mean? What does that mean? Why is it a failure? Is it because he attacked? The light side is for knowledge and defense. Is it because the light fate is his father as well as he mm-hmm. sees himself in it? Is it because he's seen the dark side in himself? Yeah. I think they covered their bases exactly. and it's whatever you want it to um, be. And then we cut back to the Imperial Star Destroyer and Vader has brought in a host of bounty hunters, including um, Boba Fett. And his commanders are like, oh, why did you bring this scum here? <laughs> They're all like grumpy about it. They're, yeah, they're our intro, so we understand. I feel they shot this. I'm like, oh, no one understands the bounty hunters. So we yeah. need some grumpily like henchmen. <laughs> um, and basically Vader requests that they hunt down the Millennium Falcon and catch it, capture the crew alive. Um, at this point, the Millennium Falcon is being chased by the fleet and the hyperdrive fails again but then they do a flyby over the star bridge and then just suddenly disappear from the imperial radar and they don't know where they go we see we should say we see boba fett in this scene we see boba fett yeah in, yeah. in the bounty hunter lineup um that's the first do proper... we hear him speak at this yeah point? he says like one sentence because darth vader tells him don't disintegrate anybody as if that's what he always does that's right um and so to like tie him. them into the uh prequels um Boba Fett. Um, oh! Am I allowed to say it? Yeah, just so Boba me. Fett um, is the son of Jango Fett. Jango Fett is, is in fact um, the like father clone of the clone army and Jango Fett. The blue one. And Boba Fett. Um, and he was played by the New Zealand actor Tamira Morrison, who used his natural accent in those films so they had to go <laughs> had to is the wrong sentence <laughs> so they went they back chose. to the originals and all the lines of boba fett which were done by the original actor in his english accent were replaced with tamura morrison's voice um and kiwi accent can you imagine how all these actors wow. feel it's like stop fucking replacing all my- i used yeah. to be in star wars yeah yeah now i'm not like that's all these people who did this stuff yeah pisses me off so yeah, so we have... And it's, it's his worse. Voice there. Here's what's annoying about it. You go and listen, because you can listen to the original Boba Fett on YouTube. Um, it's not that much different. It's only a tiny bit. It's a Kiwi So accent. it's like... And I, like I, I would argue the original one's a little bit better. It's a little bit like more tinny. It kind of... There's t- intonations of it. But it's so close anyway. It's like, why even bother? He's no use to me dead. And then... Tamir Morrison. He's no use to me dead. Yeah. 
it's so weird i mean it's like why even bother um yeah anyway. because it's not because he's bored same. he's sitting around and i got nothing to do this week no one's hiring me to make new films i'll just yeah. go back people should have hired george lucas more because he wouldn't have <laughs> fucked with his this old this is stuff. the industry's fault um then we cut back to dagobah again luke is still training um this time doing more rock lifting <laughs> and suddenly his x-wing sinks and he starts to cry and he's like i'm never gonna get out and then he's like okay and yoda's like it doesn't matter there's no difference between whether it's a rock or an x-wing um um and he says to luke try and luke's like i can't it's impossible And he's like do or do not there is no try so luke tries to do it but fails like he barely gets a wing out of the water it's too big and then yoda says yeah it doesn't the size of the, the size doesn't matter size like. doesn't matter it's how you use it um and exp- and that's and this is the bit where he uh he explains what the force is which you were just talking about Al. he explains how the force flows through all life and that we're like not these fleshy beings we think we are but we're a luminous yeah like light force um doesn't he say something oh, actually about it's just the chemical that is in your body no no oh weird okay <laughs> Just a life force. My mistake. No, nothing about chemicals. Okay, good. We'll get to that. Good, good. No no chemicals. How many times have you watched this movie? No, not not many times. All right. Surely they'll never go down that path. No. Um, (laughs) Which this is what you just said that Yoda said. It is a good lesson to all humans. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. yeah. And so he goes on to say that like life flows through everything and they're all interconnected and that we can tap into each other's energies and all this. Luke sulks and says it's impossible and he runs off and he sits down <laughs> yeah. further away from with his Yoda. floppy emo hair. Yeah, and he's But this makes sense now that you said that he, that um they created the, these movies for 12-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah, I have yeah. to say since there you said you know, that I, I mean, watched that, that in this way. Luke really Yeah. Yeah, because there's a few bit, there's a few lines in this. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. being like for a twelve year old, yeah, that kind of. Works. There's your life lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so Luke's sulking, and Yoda closes his eyes, and with the Force pulls the X-wing out of the swamp and lands it safely. Does his homework for him, essentially. High ground. Uh, yeah, and then Luke comes back over and, and kind of he says, "I'll be having that." <laughs> yeah, sort of sulks a little bit more. Um. <laughs> And then we cut back to the Millennium Falcon, which is hiding behind the star bridge of one of the um, star destroyers, star cruiser, whatever, Imperial cruiser, whatever thing, thing. Boat. Um, and Han comes up with the plan that when they go into hyperdrive, they'll have to release all their trash before doing that. So he'll float off with the trash. He finds the closest star <laughs> system and he finds the system of Bespin um, and Cloud City where he realizes that his old friend Lando, Lando man. who he won the Millennium Falcon off and that he used to play cards with, um, lives. So they- you, get, you get Boba Fett follows them though, uh, from the trash. Like he's like hiding in the trash yeah. already. I, that's actually probably... One of my favorite scenes in the movie for some weird reason. I like the peace and quiet of it. Yeah. And I like that for once they avoid the Empire, not with a big late lightsaber battle or mm-hmm. lasers or anything. It's just, no, this is, we'll just be so close to them and then yeah. we'll just let ourselves drift off. There's that nice silence as they float out. I love the, it. The Empire go into hyperdrive and disappear. Yeah. And then the Millennium Falcon turns around, flies off, but then we see... Bob and for Fett. me, that's a defining thing for Han Solo. Because up until the point, you've generally seen him as being kind of stupid but just like gung-ho with stuff, you know? He'll just make crazy decisions and they work out quite a lot of the time. 
Whereas that's him actually showing, you know, I've got some smarts as well. Mm-hmm. I, like. I must have missed that whole scene for some really? reason. I don't know what happened. It's when, you know, when you see them on the Empire huge battleship and they're just like stuck to it, like a little bug just clinging onto it. No, I didn't so for ages. <laughs> and then they just drift off into the garbage. Weird. Just like being, going out. Yeah. It's great. Um, <laughs> must have blacked out, I guess. <laughs> Again. We cut back to the... Dagobah system, Luke is doing another handstand, uh, lifting more rocks. Um, and then Yoda is explaining that the force gives you vision of like your loved ones, the people in your life, the future. Um, and as he's saying that, Luke starts to have a vision and the rocks start to crumble and he cries out, Han, Leia! And he collapses from his um, uh Handstand. Handstand. Then we cut back to the city in the clouds. You got you. The Millennium Falcons coming into the city in the clouds. Initially, they're attacked. Um, Han's trying to say that he knows Lando. Um, finally, they're granted permission to land. I love getting to see someone Han Solo knows from his past. I think it's kind of fun yep. to get to see some other like rogue-like characters. That was in. really fun. Again, it's those bits that I like about all these Star Wars films, which kind of is is like you have all these backstories mm-hmm. that they allude to yeah and the problem Everyone's- is now is they're trying to film and create all those backstories yeah, so they're all in i liked it when you could explore those backstories in the, the things like the extended universe if you wanted to or if, or in even in the games like it would there'd be crossover of narratives yeah no, and that was kind of cool and now it's like they just want to show and write yeah everything yeah and it's kind of what i'm liking about this film again i think it's detrimental but also really beneficial to it did you see guardians of the galaxy 2 mm-hmm. so for me that film was like if you enjoyed the first one you'll enjoy the second one because you're just hanging out with them but all you're doing is hanging out with them yeah so there's not much impetus and by the time you get to the impetus it's kind of dumb and it's too late to really care yeah, yeah. um and then there's a big cgi mess at the end but this film for me is doing what Guardians 2 should have done. It's like, look, you just want to hang out with these characters, go on some adventures with them. Hey, here's a Yeti boy. Here's a little, you know, like all these little things that just happen. Yeah. And a lot of it, at least I'd say 25% to 30% of this movie doesn't really need to happen. Mm-hmm. But they punctuate it with just enough bits to keep the narrative pushing forward that you always feel like you are still heading somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which with Guardians 2, I never felt mm-hmm. like, you get to the end of Guardians 2, I know when I see Guardians 3, I don't need to have seen Guardians 2. Yeah, but with this is like I can't see Return of Jedi without seeing Empire, even though it's certainly not focused like the first one, where every scene is giving you information. Some of this is just for fun or emotion, and mm-hmm. that's that's fine. You know, it's punctuated nicely. And this is one of those bits. Yeah, bringing in Lando, you're getting some of that fun, but then you're about to push the story forward. And yeah, like it's cool. So yeah, they land and they meet Lando, and he has this moment where he kind of tricks. Um, uh, Han thinking that he's like really upset to see him and that he owes him big time but then he gives him a hug and he's Aww. like oh you old dog you um, sees the Millennium Falcon <laughs> jokes about that it's still his ship and that it's the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy I remember that upset me when I was a kid when someone else claimed Millennium Falcon I was like no yeah <laughs> oh, shit. Um, but Lando uh, Han won that off Lando in a game of Sabak. Well, did he cheat or did he win it fairly fair and square good man yeah, but that might—I don't even know if that's canon anymore. Jeez. No, nothing can. I like in Lando Town, um, which is—it's all white and beautiful, but they still have. Did you notice like when they're going in there? There's like people fixing electrical wires, which is sparking. Someone's just got a roller and is just painting mm-hmm. the wall. It's still like in repair. Yeah, yeah. Which I like. 
I liked. Yeah. I would have. I I like his town in the clouds. You like all the towns. You live cool. anywhere. It's a cool town. Uh, well, I mean, I yeah. feel it felt uh, relaxing there. I feel a dirty dome in a swamp is cheaper, so you should probably go for that <laughs> rather dirty than a big Why can't I have it all? Future city in the clouds. <laughs> um, oh fuck! What was I gonna say? There's something about Lando. We've done so well. Didn't even edit anything. I fucked it up. There's something specific about um, Lando, Cloud, Cloud City. Lando. Uh, <sighs> so I don't want to get out of this scene without saying it because something to do. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So when did you notice? Carl's looking for it, and then I was writing, so I just missed it. But when they first get in, you get Han Solo and Leia uh, come off of the Millennium Falcon to meet him. Um, and they look quite happy. And apparently it's because they both, the two of them went out the night before and got really drunk. And they were still drunk when they turned up to set that morning. Who? Uh, uh, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. Nice. So they found it really hard to control them in that scene. So they apparently look, they're just drunk in that scene. When they first meet Lando, and that's exactly how they look. He's a little too happy to yeah. be turning up at old Lando town. I didn't uh, notice that, but that's funny. Hmm. That's really funny. Um, so yeah, Lando leads them through Cloud City. Um, at this point, 3PO thinks he hears R2 and enters a room, but then he's blasted. Uh, we ship back to Dagobah. Out of nowhere, he just gets fucking I know, blown to pieces. And Chewie sort of turns around because he thinks he hears something yeah, and yeah. keeps going. Um, All that Chewie. So then we cut back to Dagobah. Luke feels that he needs to leave because of his vision. Um, and then this is the first, or no, this is the second time Obi-Wan now appears the best bit yeah and obi-wan says to luke and yoda that he can't control his feelings yet that he shouldn't go like that yes he may be seeing this but to go there uh would basically be more endangering to his friends and to himself and basically uh stop him from completing his training i don't care i want yeah and they're like you know the (laughs) sacrifice of your friends is worth it in the bigger picture Mm -hmm. like their pain um, and Obi-Wan even warns him like this is like the Emperor just wants you like, mm-hmm. if the Emperor gets you like that's that's the end of it because he knows it's his daddy yeah he knows exactly he knows they both know yep um, and then so Luke is like makes a promise makes a vow that he will come back to complete his training but that he has to go and help his friends do you reckon and he in- comes back Christina huh do you reckon he comes back at any point to complete his training with Yoda yes okay and- well I actually for some reason, <laughs> thought that he was going to go to the dark side. Oh, did you? That's just what like I thought still that time. I saw. There is still time. There is still time. I just thought like that's what I remembered from, I don't know, bits and pieces. Okay. I thought that was just in the storyline. So I was really happy to see that. Okay. He didn't. No, I still got But he always, movie. even in this... Well, at least he, in this he, one, he mm-hmm. he's certainly still. God, don't ruin it for me. No, I mean, I'm just. I was just gonna say in this film, like, I still think there's always that fine line that he, yeah, he teeters on. Mm-hmm. For sure, oh. there's a reason why he's dressed. Uh, well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. What? Um, darn it. Uh, it's the best bit in the movie. The best bit in the movie. Uh, I think I leaned over to you as it was just about to start, and I said, "This is my favorite bit." You're, you're uh, correct. So. Luke boards the X-Wing and he takes off and we just cut to a shot of uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda, sort of just from below Yoda, I think, mm-hmm. kind of looking up at both of them. In in the dark as the shadows and the lighting shifts oh, from, so the, from the from um, 
from the X-Wing, like it goes from brightly lit to just black to this red Silhouettes, light. yeah, Yoda, oh, yeah, and then red lights him suddenly. Yeah, and... So that makes any sense, but it looks great. Yeah, and in this point, as they're watching him take off, um, Obi-Wan says, that boy is our last hope. And then Yoda says, no, pause, there is another. Yep. yep. And the music's swelling, and then yeah. he just moves on, you're like, wow! the light like, changes, and Yoda looks up, and you're like, What? It's that dude who bumped his head on the way through the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's old crazy Joe with his speedo- speedometer. <laughs> yeah. But that bit, oh, it's just so cool. I love that bit so much. Yeah. Um, we'll get to it in the next film, though, how much necessary payoff there is for that. Mm-hmm. But I love that bit. Yeah. And actually, when we get further into this franchise series of podcasts, um, and particularly with the new films, that made me think of a possible tie into these new films. Oh, interesting. And whether it's going to be used in that way. Yeah. But we'll get to that. Yeah, we will. Um, so we cut back then to Cloud City. Leia is now really concerned because Lando said she he'd fix their ship and it's... Has it been like days or hours? Nobody knows. Yeah, time has passed, but more time than they would have liked. Yeah, it's been 30 minutes. And she's like really concerned. She's obviously changed clothes, redone her hair. Yeah. Um, I know. She's like, Khan, we've got to get out of here. And he's like, no, just trust Lando. Like, he's my good mate. Like, it'll all be good. Chewie's like, where's the fuck is 3PO? No, no, meanwhile, yeah, Chewie's on a really embarrassing journey trying to rescue C-3PO. Getting teased by a bunch of junkers (laughs) while he's just trying to take his, like, friend who's in pieces out. And they're literally like mocking him. Mocking him and like snarling at him. It's so embarrassing to see Chewbacca in that situation. Yeah. And he's like towering over these little scrapyard guys. <laughs> yeah. like, away, but showing so much heart in trying to rescue he his He is friend. so lovable. Um, and then he takes him back want. to the room and is like slowly and awkwardly like trying to reassemble <laughs> yeah. him and looking at all the pieces. But it's so good because he's doing that and he's been so dedicated. Like he's the only one on this little journey that no one else is noticing <laughs> is happening. And then Lando comes in and goes, who's up for refreshments? And I, within a, literally that second the word leaves Lando's mouth, Chewie just goes, oh, fuck this. And puts it down. I know. I thought about that. He's like, like, you know what? I could use a, a beer weird. and a slice of cake. What's wrong with the droid? <laughs> um, yeah. And so then, yeah, Lando invites him for refreshments. And during this bit, he tells them that, like, Cloud City's great. It's not under the jurisdiction of the Empire. And Han's like, oh, this must be good. Like, how do you keep it from the Empire? Blah, blah, blah. Um, but then... Lando opens this door and who should be sitting there having scones and tea? <laughs> the weirdest shot in any Star Wars film. Darth and then- Vader. Sitting at the end of the table. Sitting at the end of a beautiful table. There are literally like macaroons <laughs> on this table. I mean, why did he even lead them to the dining room table? Why would he lead he, to he a death room? He could have led them to anywhere because... They don't, they don't know. know. Yeah, exactly. It's so weird. He just wanted to play out the lie of going to get refreshments right to the end. And this starts for me a whole bunch of scenes in a row where it's just so weird to see Darth Vader hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what he's doing. He is. So he, who knows how long he was waiting there. Yeah. Um, oh, the so group weird. Is surprised. And then Boba Fett's just standing in the corner as That's well. That's true. He appears. He doesn't, he doesn't he get walks a seat in. at the table. He yeah. just has to like hang around in the shadows. Um, Han tries to shoot him. Vader stops it with his hand and then force pulls the um, the pistol towards him. And then all the stormtroopers. Boba Fett isn't actually in the room when they first open the door. That's true. He just, he just materializes like, walks in from the side once <laughs> once he gets the pistol. Um, and then so they're they're all captured. 
Um, Vader then says that Boba Fett can take Han to Jabba once he gets Luke and that Chewie and Leia must never leave Cloud City. And Lando's like, oh my God, this deal just gets worse. You get um, Chewie shouting at the sirens in the cell, which I love so much. They're just going off and he's just like wailing at them until they stop. Yeah, that's it. So Vader basically we find out now is set. This is just all a trap for him to get Luke and that his friends are bait. Yeah, and so um, Han gets like some weird electroshock torture. There's a chair with like all these implements and then they start to move it towards his body. He's like, none of those implements line up with any part of his mm. body. He just so it sort of sparks and he screams and then he puts... And then Actually, I really love this line. He gets put back into the, the cell with uh, Chewie and Leia and C-3PO. Yeah. And he gets... Chewie lays him down and he says like... Uh, they didn't, didn't even, even ask me questions. <laughs> so weird. Uh, it's a, but when he's screaming, it's really dark. Like, yeah. It's really dark. It's yeah. Nasty. And I like that bit where you have it cuts to Lando outside the room and you yeah, yeah, start yeah. to see his like remorse in that mm-hmm. moment. Like his yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, what was that? Was it him torturing him? So that he could find out where Luke was. Yeah, but it's like. But then there was no memory of it. No, I think they literally didn't ask him any questions. I don't know. I think yeah, and I think Vader would have foreseen that Luke would have come. Yeah, I think they're doing it more to get Luke to turn up. Like if we talk to his friends, Luke will feel that. I see. I see. Okay. Um, So then they set up the carbon freeze, um, which. Vader wants to put Luke in, dude, to take him to the Emperor, but they need to test it first because it's not used on humans. So they decide to test it on Han. Um, He's still frozen. So right now, so that as they we grab speak. Han and they freeze him, and you have the iconic scene where, as he's being lowered down into the carbon freeze machine, Leia looks out to him and says, "I love you," and he looks back at her and says, "I know." Which now I feel was just ad-lib from their real life <laughs> yeah um which was ad-libbed <laughs> because because harrison ford thought it would just sounded too clunky and stupid to say i love you too mm-hmm. which is awesome which again like seriously when you know their past history no he, prob- he probably didn't want to say i love you factor as well in that situation he's probably like look it's too hammy and you know it's it's a weird thing to do with someone you've had that history with not a good lesson for 12 year old boys <laughs> <laughs> that's true but he's going to cry a freeze. You get say you get a free pass. You can say what you want if you're going to cry a freeze. If you're a twelve year old boy going into cry a freeze, say what you want. Exactly. Otherwise, treat someone with respect. Damn it. So he gets frozen and it works. Um, and it's really creepy. It still upsets me when he comes out and you see him frozen in it. Yeah. And he's in that like pained look. It's yeah. It's pretty dark. And it's the way they just don't, they just carelessly let it just Drop slam onto the hand. floor. Yeah, like that reveal of his face oh, at that good. drop point. Yeah, good. that was that good. good. I know they used to sell that in like the full size of that you could have in your house. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I've seen ones where like people get it on their fridge doors. Like, <laughs> yeah. You can get it like glued on. Um, yeah, and, and Leia More and Christmas Chewie's reactions in that no. moment are really good. Really good. Chewie's reactions for everything are fantastic. It's so good. <laughs> is it, I was wondering, is it the same guy in the suit from the first one? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. For all of the mm-hmm. films. Yeah. Who is this man? You're interested. Um, <laughs> oh, what's his name? I've forgotten. I'll look him up. You keep yeah. it. Forgotten. But he even did Force Awakens as well. The last yeah, one. yeah. Or parts of it because Spoilers. he's got like a bung knee now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, he gets frozen. Vader gives him to Boba Fett and says, here you go. He's all yours. Um, and then he tells Lando, I'm taking Leia and Chewie. 
they can go wait in my ship yeah while i've got stuff to sort out here yeah so lando's like what the fuck so he goes to take them um what'd you expect lando yeah oh my god what's his name again Peter Mayhew. That's it, Peter Mayhew. Sorry, just I showing Christina a picture of the actor. Anything <laughs> I mean, he's a real life. Else. Yes, mm-hmm. he is. Um, yeah, and Luke arrives and he starts sort of sneaking through um, the city whilst R2 beeps behind him and he tries to like nudge him, like, shut up. Um, and eventually, at one point, Leia and Chewie um, and the stormtroopers cross paths with Luke and Luke, Leia tries to warn Luke that he's entering a trap, uh, but she's pushed through the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does just doesn't get it. Yeah, and he continues anyway. <laughs> yeah, you don't give a shit. <laughs> he continues anyway. Um, I like that Lando uses, he's got like a little iWatch he's using to talk to a man with headphones on. Oh, yeah. what that dude does. He presses a button and the guy goes, whoop, and he's to activate. <laughs> it's like, what? what happens? Yeah, so he activates his like little butler man um, from his iWatch. Uh, what does he do? What does he do? Yeah, butler boy. Headphone man. Well, I think he's like an android thing, isn't he? But what does he do? Anything that he wants to do. Because they show you a correlation of Lando's like do-do-do on his watch and then this guy like wakes up and like, does he like start the engine for them in the millennium? Well, I guess watch? he gets the command to to um stop them, right? Oh, okay, okay. To bring in the... the yeah. Like, yeah. The, the guard. All right, Christina. Oh, you fuck didn't down. get that. Even I got Come that. Down. I didn't notice the Millennium Falcon get off into <laughs> the garbage track. <laughs> it must um, have blinked. Um, so then we finally see Luke comes up into the area uh, where the carbon freeze is and this bit just looks so cool because it's all red yeah. and shadows and dark blues and smoke. Very somber. Yeah, very somber. And Vader's waiting for him and Luke confidently and cockily like a young kid approaches him yep turns on his lightsaber yeah. and vader very much just honestly tells him that he's not a jedi yet mm-hmm. and that he's going to be schooled basically um gonna, and, and i think they say like after arm. the first kind of hits of the lightsaber vader literally just pushes yeah, him just over pushes him over um you like, get the hint dude <laughs> literally everyone's telling you you're not ready yeah um and then we cut back to lando um lando's second surprise where he apprehends <laughs> that's what the chapter is called lando apprehends the stormtroopers with his um with his butler guy who comes with all the guards and they release Leia and chewy chewy chokes him while he tries to tell them still time to save han um but they don't make it before boba fett flies off and, and yet chewy still tries to shoot down boba fett's ship while it's flying off with han solo on it. that's love that's love yeah. it's like you're gonna die <laughs> rather um, than be captured so then we cut back to the lightsaber duel um vader then admits that he's impressed with luke's skills but like immediately disarms him how did they do that because he says it after because he says oh you're a disappointment because he like goes into the um cryo freeze thing and then he jumps out of it like the little ninja and then he's yeah. like oh impressive impressive how did he do Most that shot where he jumped out of it because it's really cool he's like very quick just goes Wah! I mean, probably, Jedi uh, jump. yeah. Literally just got an actor who did the other. Okay. No, it, it was a harness. It's really quick, though. It's a very weird block. when you watch it. It's like... Well, maybe they just fast it, it or something. You know, maybe. just put the speed on it. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> Vader tells out. him that Obi-Wan has taught him really well and says that Luke <laughs> controls true. his fear, but the only way that he can destroy Vader is through hatred. Um, mm, seems like a bait mechanic. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then so they keep fighting, and then, like you're saying, Vader starts using the Force way more, where he, like, as well as attacking Luke with yeah. his lightsaber, he starts pulling off bits of the wall. But he doesn't use his hand for it. Like, I don't know why, I figure it's in later films and in later computer game stuff, you learn that if you want to use the Force, you use a hand. <laughs> yeah. So, like, one hand can be the lightsaber, but then the other one's got to be, like, moving stuff. Mm. Um, and he doesn't he just seems to use his mind and stuff just like yeah yeah like because when he chokes people carry. to death he doesn't use his hand as well sometimes he, does, sometimes, sometimes he does sometimes he doesn't oh. yeah. sometimes but he on skype he didn't that's true on skype, skype he didn't <laughs> i guess that's the power of the skype conference call yeah um i guess i wonder just if that powerful, that's but it how looks... skype was invented yeah no there's that's loads where of the stuff idea came from and though i watch there, there is actually in all seriousness a huge, huge history of technology that we use now is literally based on geeks loving the science fiction books that they grew up with mm-hmm. and wanting to recreate that. There's a lot of stuff in military now that's used, in, that's developed in Japan just because they loved watching like Ghost in the Shell and watching Geeks like, are amazing. Stuff. So they're just like, we want that to be real. So then they make it real. Um, I have to say right now off the bat, this is way better lightsaber fight than the last film. Oh, totally. way better. Um, I think partly because you've got just, I mean, yeah, there's better choreography, better direction. It's but longer. Yeah. I love how it's paced, this one. Yeah. And I think Mark Hamill, he's not the best actor in the world, but he really gives this role a lot. Mm-hmm. And in this scene in particular, he gives like, you can feel him putting effort into yeah. each strike. Whereas the last one, they both seem a bit tired and maybe felt like they were going to break the props or something. Yeah. Uh, but this is really giving it welly. And like the thing that I like about it, which I sort of touched on earlier, was that for me, it's it's not even so much about the fight itself. Like it's so personal at this point. Yeah. Um, and what about like what's going to be revealed and about uh, Luke's history and his uh, lineage and and just that kind of confrontation and push and pull between them and like that push and pull between light and dark and yeah. I, I find that the the most engaging aspect of, no, of no, this fight probably. too. Um, so yeah, the group. I, how I do wish that they had. Um, I recently watched. We watched Highlander, mm-hmm. um, which is a weird film to go back to. Christopher Lambert. I tell you what, I used to love that film. And I showed it to Katie, and it was one of those films you showed. Something like, oh, I used to love, it. I used to love <laughs> oh, the TV series too. Oh, that's real bad. <laughs> it's real. Uh, but they charged all of the. They put like electricity into the swords, so whenever they hit each other, real sparks were flying off the swords. Oh, every cool. hit, which looks awesome. Yeah. Um, and with this, I was kind of like, oh, I wish they'd done that with this because it looks so cool. With the lightsabers were hitting and just sparks were mm, flying off. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a little dry, but mm-hmm. but definitely a huge step up. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, at this point, Vader disarms him, and then using the the Force, um, basically destroys a window. Which then Luke is sucked out of. Um, then we cut back to the group, Han and Lando, Chewie and 3PO. They're like having a big fight through Cloud City, trying to get back to the Millennium Falcon. Um, and they manage to board the Falcon and fly um, away from the city. Do windows do this? We see this in movies, so I'm presuming it's fact. But you break a window and things get sucked out. Mm-hmm. But you wait long enough and it all calms down. Does that happen? Does it like does the pressure equalize? You mean in space? Equalize? I've never been. In I don't a think plane that, that would <laughs> in a plane that would definitely not happen. Right. In a high rise I mean that that's not even a high rise, that's like Yeah, I guess it's because it's they in have, space. No, but they're not in they're not no, in, they're it's in not zero gravity. Like they're on 
regular gravity they're just in that huge tube that i guess is so deep that there's pressure from how deep it Maybe, is like yeah. a canyon so it's but like then, more vacuum thing right yeah but then mm. would it we kill eyes out because he just hangs out and then it's fine again for him to walk around like a couple of seconds later unless it's that idea of like there's vents that open and close oh like there's like balance. a breach mm-hmm. mm. i'm just i'm just saying i'm interested if that's fact and we might have to do an experiment that is interesting <laughs> <laughs> only one way to be sure oh! <laughs> I feel like it only gets sucked out when you're... Yeah, at high velocity or yeah. high pressure. Mm-hmm. I feel. I Speaking as a scientist... We'll get back opinion. to that. Um, so the Falcon escapes and then we cut back to Vader and probably one of the most iconic cinematic scenes in history. Yeah. yeah. Um, Vader basically goes to town on Luke Ooh. and cuts off his hand well yeah right before he tells him right yeah. before he tells him and then luke kind of trying to like shuffles back onto this tiny little platform um and vader reveals mm-hmm. luke and he tricks him into it as well which is like, like yeah. you didn't know much about your father did you he's like yeah. no enough you killed him yeah you mm-hmm. killed him. no obi-wan didn't tell you the truth he told me enough right. let's get into a couple of things then first of all we have a two for two now with the arms or the hands or whatever. Mm-hmm. We've got two in this film, two in the last one. That makes four. We want to see if they can keep it up. If not, increase. I want this to be like the Jason kills. That's what I'm looking at in my horror retrospectives. I want yeah. the kills to get more. I want more arms okay. taken off in Star Wars movies. Um, but let's get to the real thing here. Earlier on, we had a scene that we gave the benefit of the doubt. wasn't just trying to trick the audience. Wars also had some character building stuff, which is that Darth Vader does not see himself as Anakin Skywalker anymore. Mm-hmm. you get to this scene and he clearly identifies himself as Anakin Skywalker because he yeah. literally says I am your father I am like he doesn't say I am Anakin but they're talking about it in that mm-hmm. context is it just bad writing or is it meant to be and I'm trying to give it more credit again that he's now that he's seen his son face to face because he then in the second asked him essentially to join up and take down the emperor that he's as has always been his plan and he's been hiding it from the emperor basically is I guess what I'm trying to say or now that he's seen his son face to face, does he have like a ton of change of heart, do you think? I think he's had a change of heart this whole time because he was trying to convince the emperor to give him the chance to have him come to his side, the dark side. Okay. So you think he always had the plan of, this is my son. We're yes. going to do this thing together. Yeah. He's always son. had a soft spot for his son. Right. Okay. What do you think, Alex? So my feeling is, is like in the bigger mythology of the dark side and the Sith, mm. the Sith have always existed with the rule of two. There's a master and apprentice. Okay. And generally in the tradition of the Sith, the apprentice always kills the master right. and becomes the master and often has a secret apprentice of their own. So that kind of alludes to what Vader's talking about. You join me, we'll bring down the emperor uh, and we'll rule, rule but the But then galaxy. one day... Luke has to take down him then. Now, the story with the Emperor is knowing that Vader was not the Valek because of his part cyborg and uh, body was not the apprentice that he had initially hoped for. Mm. His powers in the Force are way diminished because of his injuries. Emperor's intent in the bigger arc of things is to make Luke his new apprentice. So, Emperor wants Luke. Darth wants Luke as their apprentice. Each of them wants it for their own thing. Luke needs... Uh, and the Emperor needs Luke to kill Vader to ignite his hatred and to ignite his dark side, basically. Right. Um, hmm. So I think for me, that bit, and, and 
at this point for me, it's like too hard to kind of judge from like a fresh set of eyes. So it's really interesting, like hearing your point of view that you feel that he's always had a soft spot. Um, uh, so I feel like there's that sort of like Sith mythology arc. Now, if they had come up with that at that point, then yes, that's really genius. Mm. But I don't know if they did. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, but maybe they already had a sense of the arc of Vader's story. Yeah. And if he redeems himself. So I tend, yeah, I, I maybe like lean to where, where you're saying is that there is an element of... He might have non-fatherly intentions behind it. Yeah. But it is something he's been thinking about the whole time. There's like maybe a spark of Anakin still in him. Okay. Which we might, which I don't want to spoil anything for you, but we visit. But I guess now thinking about it, after hearing you, Mm -hmm. it could also be not a soft spot for a son, but just a need to get to the next level sure. and he's using him and yeah. using the fact that he is technically his father mm-hmm. to get him on his side so he could excel to the next level mm. and there's also the intent so it could of, be that of um i think because like the yoda talks about the light being about knowledge and defense and about being calm and serene and I think to give Luke that information is to spark anger and hatred in him. Right. So okay. in itself, I think is a tool for Darth Vader to like nudge him towards the dark side anyway. Yeah. So to, like, I'm going to give you. And to get him to hate Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because he, he did. Yeah. Because yeah. he did say that. Like, why didn't he tell me? Yeah. Yeah. Why did he lie to me? And there is that hate already mm-hmm. bubbling up. Okay. Okay. I think it's hard to tell. I think it's what we're saying. Yeah, I think it's hard to tell maybe what the writer's initial intent is. Mm-hmm. But with like all the sort of force mythology, and it'd be interesting to see where you get after like seeing some of the other films mm-hmm. and like those themes and ideas build, um, what your impression of that moment is. Because I think the interpretation of that within the grander arc of those these yeah, stories and different. the franchise starts to change because they start making different choices. Yeah, there's a lot of retcon that yeah. happens. Um, so it's some like, successfully, some not. Yeah. I would say for me, it feels 100% like we know we want this twist because it's cool, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so you just do it. And then you can read a lot of stuff into it and then later on we can define it more. For basically. sure. Um, but if I'm going to lean with where I want it to be, then... Yeah, I guess it's like, I I think it's a bit of both, yeah. I think it's like, yeah, definitely been in his head the whole time, but he has good and negative reasons for doing it, I think. So Lucas came up with that twist um, after a couple of drafts, I think. Um, Certainly after the first draft, which he had been disappointed with. Um, And so he put this plot twist in, and that's when he started for the first time um, building up this story about Anakin Skywalker. Right. And Obi-Wan Kenobi and their connection um, and the Emperor. So, like, that was the first time he started doing that, building up this backstory. Um, And probably for that intent, what's an interesting, cool little plot twist I can throw in? Yeah. That's it. I'll make that choice. And now I'll think of the backstory for that. Um, And the way that that was shot was that none of the cast, and I don't think many of the crew, knew that plot twist so the way that they shot it i think only mark hamill was told just prior to shooting that scene um that that was what was going to happen um and the guy that was in the darth vader suit david prowse was told to say 
Obi-Wan killed your father. Right. Nice. Um, and so none of the other cast knew until release. Until, oh, James really? Earl Jones. That's yeah. Cool. And only Mark Hamill knew. And basically they said, if this gets out, we know it's going to be you that. So he did a reaction. Everyone, yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. Mm. Oh, cool. Deception. Yeah. I like it. I'm a big fan of deception on set. Is that um, right, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that's the little. Um, good. Okay. Good. No. Good that. I also think it's hard to have a Simon and Garfunkel cover band without your Garfunkel. So you got to have a, a duo. Mm-hmm. So it was imperative for them to get Luke on board. Yep. There you Otherwise, go. how are you going to make that sweet, sweet empire money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By touring the facilities. Exactly. <laughs> Doing uh, Sound of Silence. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Vader reveals that Luke. Screams out his big no, and then his face is amazing. It's I like know. putty. Um, and then, <laughs> and then rather than, and then so Vader then begs him to join, but Luke, rather than join him, in all his hurt and anger, just decides to jump down a chasm. Jump down a chasm, suicidally. You would think. I don't. I can't tell. No, because he was checking it out so yeah. much before. Like That's true, he yeah. seems to look like, oh yeah, I can make that slide yeah, at the like, bottom. <laughs> should I do it? Should I not do it? Ah. Oh. This is the most improbable bit of all the Star Wars films to me so far. Like it's it's just so like it, it's always been weird to me in terms of yeah, I want to know like whether it's him sacrificing himself, in which case it'd be like an Alien Three thing, and he kind of like falls off it in a mm-hmm. Christ pose or whatever, and then the world like the force saves him basically guides him to this thing yeah or whether his intention is yeah this cocky i can fucking do anything yeah because it's so weird because it doesn't really read either way no and he just so politely slides down that thing after falling for like miles yeah so he gets sucked into the tube falls out um at the bottom of it and lands on sort of like these old tv antennas that you used to have (laughs) above your house yep um and kind of hangs there and he calls out to ben who it's not picking up he's not picking up <laughs> he's busy doing other stuff his name's obi-wan ben was he's just <laughs> that was his old skype but name. he also <laughs> said that i will not be there if you leave like yeah, i will not yeah. talk to you i dude. will not come yeah um um so he calls out to ben and then in what i think is a really nice surprise and an unexpected kind of event he he calls out to leia mm-hmm. and we have mm-hmm. a really beautiful shot of carrie fisher sort of on the millennium falcon mm-hmm. close up just sort of staring out into space and then suddenly like yeah she does nice voice. under acting here which yeah I like a lot. yeah that was really yeah. great um and she sort of responds to that call of where luke is and then sees where he is or tells tells lando that she knows where he is and to turn the falcon around they turn it around they pick up luke uh get him in and then fly off into space but they're chased by TIE Fighters again. The Millennium Falcon just can never have a clean getaway. Mm-hmm. Um, Vader's already returned to the Star Destroyer. While he's on there, uh, the Imperial troops tell him that they deactivated the hyperdrive. So the Millennium Falcon's like, they're trying to get out, trying to get out. Um, and then Vader um, telepathically communicates with Luke again, urging him to join him um, to mm-hmm. rule the galaxy. I was a little worried. Yeah. And I think Luke actually addresses him as father. Yeah, he does. He, he does. Goes, he sits up and goes, father? That's yeah. why I was a little worried. So and he's like talking to Ben. He's like, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. And then he waits and you're waiting for this dramatic second line. And the second line is, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. He just says it twice. Yeah. Um, but very accepting right away that that's his yeah. father. At least he doesn't wake up and go, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> daddy, how did you hurt me? I do love this running joke in this film with the hyperdrive. It just keeps not working like yeah. three times in a row. It's cool. 
Uh, yeah, it's and old. then they're trying to fix it, but then R2 comes along and just puts his little claw thing in a little bit of the Falcon and yeah, turns the dial and boom, they shoot off. Um, oh, wait, what's funny is that they said the exact same thing. Hans was like, it's not my fault. Yeah. And then the yeah, other Lando guy. Lando said the same thing. Lando. It's not my fault. Yeah. Both two Typical Leia. guys. Yeah. I was like, dudes, <sighs> Come on. get it together. Get over your number one box office dirtiness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then we cut to an unknown location with the rebel fleet. Um, mm, Luke is space, in a, in a yeah, unknown location. <laughs> okay, space. Um, Luke is in a medical ship and a droid much like the one that was overseeing him when he had a giant diaper in the back to tank yeah um he's overseeing this new arm, arm. arm. yeah the, I, I used to think that was so cool as a kid i thought it was real i remember oh, going yeah. to school saying if you lose your arm you can get a robotic arm <laughs> i saw it in this documentary once yeah called uh, <laughs> that, i always thought that shot was really cool where the droid has like a little bit on his wrist like the skin flat lifted yeah. up and you're seeing the it's like... It's literally what they're doing in Terminator, but Terminator's later. So like, yeah. yeah. So you're seeing like the inner workings of his new mechanical hand. Yeah. He closes it. Um, we cut to Lando and Chewie saying they're going to head to Tatooine to begin Han's rescue mission. And mm-hmm. Luke says, I'll, I'll see you there. Um, and then you finish with the beautiful shot of him and Leia looking out into the rebel fleet. The score starts to rise. Didn't... No, nah, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to falsely accuse them here but didn't it used to end on that shot of them looking out like from behind with them arm around each other I is, just, isn't I just, that what it ended on no it yes. ends on going outside in spaceships like it's like looks like cgi spaceships to me flying around towards the camera because mm. didn't it always used to end on that on them yeah I always just used the to back think, of yeah. them yeah, because i was like oh cool i love this bit and then it goes black and it's just a, and no did we cut outside for this more effects shot right now yeah goddamn effects I don't know. In my head, I always remembered just that particular shot of them with the armor. And then it's shrinking down the little spherical shrink that they do on their backs. But I might be wrong. We'd have to Google that quick. Um, And that's that's our film. Well, yeah. And if you're watching it with us, then you get a little Easter egg at the end of the film because the the thing shrinks down and it goes to black and it comes up written and not not written, directed, directed or whatever. And then you get Christina on one side of the room going, and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's the fucking ending. Hans is still frozen, guys. (laughs) Um, For three years, he's going to be frozen. It's a long time to wait. After a cliffhanger like that, I gotta say it's easy to chew when you. Was can it just another see them. three years? Three years, yeah. isn't it? It's nineteen eighty-three, isn't it? Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a weird movie because way less happens, but like you say, Christina, it feels like more drags you through it in a strange way. Um, yes, as I said, it was captivating, captivating. and engaging. Ooh. And it went by a lot quicker than the first one. The first one. Interesting. There was a simpleness to it, mm-hmm. but it, w- it felt longer. Okay. This one was like, bam, bam, bam. Right, okay. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> All right. Had its way and then went on. I enjoyed it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I liked it better than the first one. Interesting. Okay. I didn't think you were going to, because when we started, it's so different. That's what I mean. Like, it wasn't back to back. I was like, wow, these are very different movies. Characters are way more mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, soap opery in this but one. I, I felt like the connections were a lot stronger with everybody. So that's okay. why I enjoyed it more. I feel the relationships were stronger. Okay. Okay. I don't know. That's just that. Um, 
Let's quickly tie up any more facts and then we can get into our final reviews. Yeah. Um, oh, that well, was my final review. You already <laughs> done. You spent it. What else did we uh, say? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. One thing I did want to throw in at some point, but I forgot was apparently Carrie Fisher had to stand on a box for every scene she was with Han Solo in this movie because she's like a f- over a foot shorter than him. And they wanted them to have a good like level relationship in this. Yeah. So she had to always be in a box. That's why if you notice, she's never walking around <laughs> when they're in the same scene. Hmm. Um, and then I have a little thing here, which is actually just to do with the post-production and George Lucas's involvement with it, which I f- found quite interesting. Um, so if you don't mind, I'm just going to quickly read it off. So George Lucas had originally planned to only executive produce and finance the film, leaving the directorial duties in the hands of Irving Kirshner and day-to-day producing duties to Gary Kurtz. Uh, directing the original Star Wars, A New Hope, had left George Lucas exhausted and sick. And he had intended to take time off to start to focus on the expansion of the Lucasfilm company and spending more time with his then wife, Marcia Lucas, so that they could start a family and finish construction on Skywalker Ranch. However, when production on this film ran over budget and behind schedule, Lucas had to step in and take a more hands-on role, going on location to oversee filming, and he even directed some portions of the film. A disastrous rough cut of the film proved incoherent during screenings and facing the possibility of a financial ruin, Lucas then re-edited the entire film himself and had even worse results. Extensive reshoots and further post-production effects work put enormous strain on his health, his marriage and his relationships with the director and Kurtz. Um, And though the film ended up proving an enormous critical and commercial success, Lucas would never work with Kurtz again and his marriage dissolved a couple of years later in large part due to the stress he had from these movies. That's horrible. Yeah. Which I just feel like... And I don't think enough people appreciate... Like, I badmouth George Lucas a lot. Um, I always say at this point... You're pretty mean. No, I always say at this point in his career, like, I really... Like, he's done some great things here. I support him. And I'm interested to read more than when we get into the facts of Mm -hmm. the prequels. But I do think he's been very detrimental to his own projects in his latter years um, and other people's projects like Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Um, Definitely that. Yeah. I've gone in a weird sort of cycle, cyclical loop with him, but we'll get into that more. Uh, But I respect him massively at this period of time. And I do think a lot of people don't appreciate what it takes from you to make movies. I don't think Mm -hmm. people appreciate from both the actor side and production side, directing, producing, uh, how much it can take. And I think it's important to know, even a person like Jules Lucas, one of the richest men in the world, arguably the most identifiable franchise in the entire world uh, that he could go through stuff like that just from making two movies you know? yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's, it takes a lot so to make this stuff so it's very gratifying that these films are so beloved yeah and that side of the story is never told yeah exactly and no one cares like not to not to wait the director flag but no one cares about directors most of the time like they don't tell those private stories to a director it's always the actors people want to know about their private lives they mm-hmm. don't want to know about marriages no one cares about a marriage of a director or anything yeah, like yeah. that only when like the director of um was it snow white and the huntsman like has an affair with kirsten uh Kristen Kristen like, they're the only things people care about is when it's something like that uh. um so yeah it's just good to know like what it what it takes from someone like jules lucas and i do respect him in this period um, for risking everything, really, yeah. not taking financial investment, God. doing it all himself, even after clearly having like, if you had the number one box office hit, there's a problem people have like, oh, you had number one box office hit, you're fine. And this is how pirates, I think, think now with movies. Like, no, people, like, you don't understand how much money it costs to make these movies and how many people are involved and how much distribution takes and how much you've got on the line. Um, so even like, you know, he could still face like a financial ruin if this movie had bombed. Yeah, yeah he yeah, could have yeah, lost um, everything. Yeah. That's intense. And instead, he didn't. 
And he managed to keep every percentage of Star Wars until he sold it to Disney. But he lost for his family. For billions. Is how he managed to, to yeah. keep hold of for it. For his absolute obstinance, he managed to keep every percent of his IP, which never happens. Mm. Uh, crazy. But anyway, we'll, yeah, we'll get to that more later. Um, all right, then, so Christian, since you've already, you've already said, let's just, if there's anything else we want to expand with, though, but you'd like this film more than the first one. Why do you like this film more than the first I one? I said it. Tell me again. The relationships. <laughs> okay. Um... I feel like there was a lot more connections with the characters. Okay. I said it. <laughs> I said it. I liked it. So it's it a more. character thing. It's not it necessarily story. It's thing. not necessarily final action. It's just like. Actually, I thought the action was a little better. It was a lot more interesting. It held my attention. Okay. Longer. And the film felt like it went by quicker. The first one, sometimes it was a little slow, a little too slow. For me. Did you mind the cliffhanger with this one? But I like the simpleness of the first one. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Overall, I I enjoyed watching this one a little bit more. Did you have, yeah, do you have a problem with the cliffhanger? What was the cliffhanger? Just the ending. Like you said, when you exclaimed, like, what the fuck? No, it was a good cliffhanger. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but you're yeah, yeah. used to TV episodic stuff now, so people are fine with cliffhangers now, I think, yeah. more than they used to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, now, because I know that I could watch the next one. Whenever you want. Tomorrow, yeah. today, whenever. It's not that stressful. But I guess if I had to wait three years, I would have been a yeah. upset I have to say, about it. Yeah, I think it. that pissed me off if I had to wait three years to see what was going to happen next. Yeah. Um. Okay, was there anything that you didn't like about it that you hoped to improve on the next one? Something you want to see more of? Do you want Jawas back? I, like you were saying, I, I do like those quiet moments too. Okay. Maybe a couple more quiet moments. Okay, some more. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I really love the Yoda, the Yoda, the whole Yoda section. Um, I love the new characters. I don't know. It was great, guys. It was, it was great. Good. That's so nice to hear. <laughs> That's really nice. I honestly thought you might be in pain for going through these, so it's really nice to hear that you're enjoying them because, yeah, old movies are old, Christina. That's how most people think of these things. Why do that when you can go and watch Force Awakens? I also Am love right? 80s movies. Yeah. That's so true. maybe that's why too. Well, you're right on the cusp. 1980. And I was something we all said. This one feels 80s, even it though it's just a 1980. Little bit. I like 80s and I like 90s. Okay. So. The craft. Yeah, and it's oh kind my of God. that sort of oh 80s uh, Muppety puppet kind of vibe. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, little, it's like yeah. the labyrinth meets Star Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Like, we're going to build these little worlds and have uh, puppets. Um, Alex, at the beginning of this podcast, you said Empire was always your favorite. Yeah. Star Wars, is it still your favorite so far? Yeah, no, it absolutely is still my favorite. There's there's certainly things that I picked up in this viewing that, um, that maybe I didn't pay as much attention to before that mm-hmm. I didn't, that, that I don't necessarily that I didn't necessarily enjoy or like so much. I mean, the main thing for me was, yeah, the battle just looking a bit dated, the start, just the, the stop motion effects. Well, don't worry, he can go back and fix that for you. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it didn't take away anything from it. I really still just love the structure of this film. I love that there isn't actually a giant, other than that battle of the star, there isn't a giant big star battle uh, in space. And... Um, uh, um, and, and how it's structured like that. And that it's, you know, I guess another thing that I really noticed this time, probably watching back to back was, uh, there wasn't as much diversity in kind of interesting characters and background characters and 
characters that filled yeah. the world. Like even in the sort of added CGI bits in Cloud City where they showed more people, it was still very like human yeah. type characters. There's no cantina or anything. Yeah, else. exactly. Um, but at the same time, I get that because the focus, like you said, Christina, is about the characters on this one and like really pushing them further and, and having those sort of very personal interactions between each of them, mm-hmm. um, which I really love. Like, yeah, the bit with Yoda and the kind of how it dives more into the idea of the force and then the scene with Darth Vader at the end and even Darth Vader seeing the Emperor. Like, I love all these little kind of one-on-ones um, that are happening and that they kind of build. But build in a way that just leaves so much open. Again, that's what draws me into this universe every time is that there's history and there's stories in there mm. and I don't have to know them, but I can imagine them. And that's what I've liked about it. And that's why I'm kind of so reluctant now with a lot of these new releases where it's like, eh, just leave the mystery, like leave this world. Yeah. You know, leave, leave some mystery in this world okay. or tell stories that haven't kind of necessarily been suggested or anything yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, structurally still love it. I love the tone. I love, um, yeah, how different it feels. It did, watching it again, it just feels so different to A New Hope and actually to the to all of them. Mm. It feels very, like it's very much its own thing. Yeah. I mean, it very much feels like a middle film in a trilogy or a middle film in a story or the middle of a story, but it still just feels like there were some choices in there that were kind of bold and unique to that film, which I never don't think it, the series has ever sort of revisited or, or tried to yeah. kind of it's in some of its tones. Yeah. I'll be interested where we end up when we get to last Jedi, which will be the last film yeah. uh, as we're speaking anyway, in a retrospective. Um, just because, yeah, that will be the middle of a new trilogy, essentially. Yeah, I'll be interested to see where they, how they echo it if they mm-hmm. do. Um, but yeah, it's still, it's still my favorite. Okay. Do you recommend to anybody that they could just watch this film, or do you think you always have to start with a new hope? Um, I would always say start with a new hope. You know, find your way into the world um, and discover the characters. Okay. Because you know, new hopes. It's the, it's an opening act. It gives you. It gives you a flavor of the world and the galaxy and the characters. Yeah. And this is, you know, the middle act. You get, it allows you to, to get to know them better and, and see them in more depth. So mm. I wouldn't jump straight in. Yeah. You're, you were nodding and agreeing with that. Christine. Yeah, you have to see the first one. Okay. Because then the first one gets you invested. And then the second one's kind of like a payoff. You know, you yeah. really get to see the characters blossom. Yeah, and yeah, and I think going into the second one the with how force heavy it is, if you didn't have at least a bit of that from A New Hope, you'd just be like, "What?" Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still jump too far. Pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I'm I'm I still love this movie. I'm kind of fighting between. Uh, I said I have a slightly different take on it now, and I really do. Even from when I watched it a couple of years ago, and I was like, "This is amazing. I love it." Watching it back to back with this new one and I do find like just like you know we're all in the industry and I find you have your industry head you can look at films with now mm-hmm. with the more stuff you do in the industry and then you have your more sort of personality driven head you know and my personality driven head is this is still my favorite for sure just because I like tales that don't adhere to normal structures yeah. I like things that are just more uh, character driven um, it's really like that big weight you get in the middle of this movie 
where it's pretty chilled out for a long, long, long time. Because you get this crazy beginning, then you get a long bit where not much happens. Uh, still a lot of stuff's happening, but it's very, it's quite peaceful. And then you get the, you know, sword fighting ending, basically. And that's really what the film is. It's not much else to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really love that because of that middle bit. That middle chunk really makes the film for me. Um, the beginning, yeah, this time I was finding, I'm like, it's gone on, it's a little too loud. <laughs> I needed to chill yeah. out. But then it makes up for it with the rest of the movie. And I love that weird structure. I love what it does with the characters more. I do think they're all a little bit more cartoonish in this one. I do like, I'd never noticed before that, yeah, this does do all the traits of the sequel. Just everything is a little bit more heightened, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of weird because, yeah, like I said, I've always been a bit dismissive of A New Hope. And this time I'm like, I find it weird that that was, I don't know. Like, I think A New Hope, I respect A New Hope more. I actually think A New Hope is a better film. Like, yeah. if I'm looking at it practically. I think narrative-wise, it does things in a much smarter way, like we we're talking about before. Like, but it is a world-building film. Yeah. And like we're saying, everything fits with each other and pushes each other forward. This one doesn't. It's kind of just like you already like these characters. Let's hang out and do emotional things with them. Mm-hmm. And I like doing that, particularly in a second film. Um. So yeah, I guess I guess that's where I land. This is still like, and again, we're gonna go through. I might surprise myself. Return of Jedi, I haven't been back to it in ages, and maybe the prequels. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> Jar Jar will win me over. Um, but as it stands, yeah, I do prefer this film uh, from an emotional point of view, but from a purely like professional critique kind of way. I, I think A New Hope's a better movie. Um, but yeah, not. I would return to this one more. I yeah, think. I think. But I'm happy that I've yeah, found a new love for A New Hope that I didn't realize I have. I'm also happy that I've got to watch Christina draw this little picture of a little rocket taken off of a planet in a spaceship. <laughs> That's amazing. I want to like. I want to take a photo of that and that could be our logo for our podcast this entire season. Those are stars. I know, I know. They're beautiful. Um, That's what you're doing for ages. So just to go back to something uh, for you our listeners, go back if, you haven't, if you haven't had a chance, even though it's probably not canon anymore, I definitely recommend reading Shadows of the Empire after you watch this film. Can you still get oh. these easily? The EU stuff? Do they print it? If, I don't know if they print it, but I'm sure you could find copies on Amazon. Okay. Um, but I definitely recommend uh, reading it because it's just an amazing setup between this film and Jedi. Um, and it delves into Luke's kind of continued training and his turmoil about the re- revelation of Darth Vader. Um, yeah, and it also sort of goes into how they hatch the plan on how to save Han Solo. Right. So it's um it's a really really fun book. I remember really enjoying it. So, so this is re- it was published in 1997. Um, they do still have them on Amazon for just seven dollars. You can get them right now. Can I have a look? Shadows of the Empire. If you want to start with Shadows of the Empire N64 game, however, it will call you. It cost you four hundred and fifty dollars. It's fucking crazy. Uh, video games cost more money than books what can you do um thank you so much if you're joining us we really appreciate it we're doing this podcast every single week so we'll be back next week with the return of the jedi um if you head on over to wearegeeks.com wearegeeks.com then you can branch out to all of our podcasts on our itunes where we do a weekly podcast just called geeks where we talk topically about movies and video games and things and pizza sometimes um and we also do lots of retrospective podcasts including friday the 13th including nightmare on elm street invasion of the body snatchers danny boyle um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We're going to be doing a Halloween one next year, leading into the new Halloween film, which I'm so excited about. I can't tell you. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis back to do another Halloween film. Um, and what else? 
yeah, we have lots of other stuff. If you go to weirdgeeks.com, you can just branch out to it all. Um, you can go to our Twitch stream where we do lots of Twitch streams of people who don't normally play video games and people who do play video games. You might be on that at some point, Christina. Um, and you can also follow our publisher, which you can link to from We Are Geeks. Uh, they are We Are Tessellate and they're a production company that we uh, run out of London, LA and Tokyo. We make feature films and other goodies. Um, and we just finished the first feature film called Starfish and you'll be able to learn all about that on the official website as it's updated and for our Twitter accounts and on our podcast. Uh, if you can subscribe, retweet or leave a rating, it does help us out a huge amount. We do this for free because we're crazy people. Um, and yeah, ratings make a difference. Um, I'm being your host. I'm Mr. R. White on all social medias. You just type in Mr. R. White on anything and that's probably me. If you see stupid photos, it's me. Um, and also on the Xbox if you want to play video game but just one christina masson did we look up your social medias i'm gonna do it right now alex <laughs> uh you can find me um on twitter and instagram um alexander chard is my handle i don't really tweet much but i'm sure if you tweeted something at me like you're an idiot you don't know anything about star wars i'd probably reply and say yeah fair play <laughs> um, you have you raise excellent points <laughs> <laughs> um if you want to play video games with me, which I haven't really been doing much lately, but you can always add me. I'm Rainbow Chard on uh, Xbox and PlayStation. <laughs> Is that because you like the fish? Rainbow Chard. Delicious. Um, no, it's because I'm um, LGBT friendly. <laughs> Is chard a vegetable? It is. Rainbow chard is a type of vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I think but, I just but, cooked but, with it the you, other day. You hate homosexuals. It is. Alex. A vegetable, but I also am LGBTQI friendly. You better be. Very nice of course very I nice. am. <laughs> very nice. Very progressive of you, Alex. Um, Christina, if people want to follow you on the Twitters, they type in underscore hi Christina. And if they want to follow you on the Instagrams, they type in underscore hi Christina. It's pretty confusing. That's me. Um, I'm following both of your things. Your what you got on your Instagram? What's your recent photo? Oh, you're looking cool on some steps. What's your recent tweet? Stop. You in downtown LA? What's that? Is that you looking cool on steps as well? It was just like I don't know. It's connected to my Instagram, so we'll yeah, like retweet cool or whatever. Well I don't done. really. No, well done, do that Christina. Much, you look really you know. cool. Congratulations. <laughs> um, we'll be back next week with Return Jedi. Until then, we are out. Geeks. Geeks! 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 Geeks!